Hello, everybody, and welcome to All In. My name is Kirby's Return to Eric Deluxe. And I am Seth Rush Cyberfunk. It's the final episode yes! of 2022, Eric, and it is going to be awesome, man. You know we've got to send this year off with a bang. Oh, you better believe it. Starting with this week's news round. Uh, Wait, Seth, what happened this week's news? Was was there honestly like nothing that happened this week? I mean, it, 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 it's okay. It's it's going to be fine. Don't worry. It's just a slow week. No, it's it's going to be it's, all right. It's not fine, Seth. Nintendo is ruining our final episode of the year with this disturbing lack of news. I mean, the Happy Meal toys. Really? Was that really what our final news roundup of the year is going to look like? Yeah, yeah, I know. But look, we're still going to have a ton of fun, and we're just going to have to make those other segments of the show this week amazing to make up for it. Oh, Besides, God. it's been a great year for us here with All N. You know that. I, I tell you what, why don't we look back and count down our top five most memorable All N moments of 2022? <sighs> okay, cool. But, I mean, we've also got to think about the year ahead. 2023 is, I mean, we're knocking on the door. We're kicking it off with the Golden Aces. And while the nominees are still a secret for now, there is actually one game up for Game of the Year that we haven't covered on the show yet, Seth. So let's fix that this week with our indie showcase of Neon White. Ah, yes. The Game of the Year in my heart. And we can close out our final episode of the year by talking about everything we're looking forward to in the world of Nintendo next year. Maybe even throw out a few predictions. There's eh, there's a lot to get into there, my friend. Yeah, well, all right. Yeah, it sounds like we've got an amazing final episode after all. I mean, of course we do. But I think we're ready to officially send off 2022, Seth. Let's do this. Onward and upward. Happy New Year, everybody. It's time to go all in. Well, the news cycle might be boring this week, but we certainly won't be. We are here at All in a Nintendo Podcast, the weekly Nintendo variety show where each and every week no shells left unturned and no points left unearned. Doesn't matter. If the if video game news is going to pump the brakes for the final week of the year, All In ain't pumping the brakes, man. We're still here on YouTube.com. We're pushing the pedal to the floor. That's right. We're still here on YouTube.com slash All In Podcast, recording the first seven of our show live like we do every single week, every Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Shout outs to everybody who is here hanging out with us live, foregoing your uh, your New Year's Eve, your New Year's weekend, hanging out with us while we just kind of hang out a little bit. It's going to be a little bit of a weird uh, a weird show, I feel like, but we, we have some good stuff planned for the podcast, and we're just going to hang mm-hmm. out and have some fun, man. Send off 2022 with a bang. But uh, before we get into any of that, we do need to thank the wonderful people who are making it happen, who have been with us this year, and uh, who are making the dreams come true, my friend. We need to shout out our patrons. Yeah, let's go ahead and shout out the amazing legends who have helped make 2022 a banner year for your amazing co-hosts here at All In. 
a Nintendo podcast. That's right. So let's shout out our patrons, patreon.com slash all in podcast, the golden banana and Triforce tier supporters over there do get shout outs every week on the show. Uh, actually want to shout out a brand new patron who became a, a brand new patron at the Triforce tier on Christmas day. Became, wow. Became a Triforce tier patron. No, 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 indeed. Yeah, mic drop. Uh, my good friend, one of my favorite people on the planet, Daniel Inahosa. Long time been. Daniel, know, nice. He's Thank been, you. He's been, you know, just just an amazing person. One of my best friends uh, for the past like fifteen years. I met him in two thousand seven. Uh, I was writing a blog of all things, <laughs> and I was writing. Uh, a like opinion piece about my favorite games of 2007. It was set, 2007 was such a crazy year that I actually uh, <laughs> I, I uh, reached out to people on my friends list on Xbox Live, and he was one of the people that just randomly was on my friends list. I think we had played Halo Three together or something like that, <laughs> and I and I just pulled everybody. I sent a message to everybody. I said, "What was your favorite game of 2007?" And he just replied with a picture of Bioshock and a thumbs up. And we've been, you know, super close ever since, you know, we met in person a couple years later. Uh, he was, uh, one of my, you know, one of my, um, uh, best men at my wedding. Um, yeah, he's a wonderful, wonderful person. And, um, now he's here in the, in the Patreon army. So big shout outs to, to Daniel Inahosa. Love you, Dan. Um, so, but we do have some, you know, again, it is a Patreon army at patreon.com slash all in podcast. So let's talk about our golden banana bunch here, starting with Rob Yapel, longtime friend and supporter, third strongest mole, Sam himself of the Retrologic podcast, Sean, Sean O'Baggins, Ashton, Tim A, aka Neo Prime 33, aka Nintendo Dad number four, Matt, Shy Guy, City Murray, one half of the Shy Guy mod squad, Drew Agnew, the handsome host of the House Mario podcast. I stumbled through that. The handsome host of the House of Mario podcast, Phelan Ward of the Damage Counter Trading Card Game podcast. I was watching him stream a little bit earlier today, and Mm -hmm. it said he was playing Super Paper Mario, so I was really excited. I was like, I'm going to watch Phelan play Super Paper Mario. No, he was, of (laughs) course, playing Pokemon Trading Card Game Online is what he was playing. So... Uh, Bill Tucker of the Gamer Looks at 40 podcast, Marcus O'Neill, and Liam D. That's Liam D. from the Retro Groove podcast. Thank you so much to our Golden Banana supporters. But moving into the Triforce tier, we have got Josh Vaughn, longtime friend and supporter, Godfather of Tingle Love Tuesday. We've got John Datfast Cummins of the Retrologic Podcast and On Topic Retro, the Globe Trotting Jet Setting Nintendo Hubbin Sparky, who uh, just got into Spelunky. That made me very happy. Yeah. Sparky playing Spelunky. <laughs> Love that. That that really I saw that. he should make a video on the Nintendo Hub but that's just like like Sparky does Spelunky or something like that. Like the wordplay <laughs> just makes Spelunky. sense. It just makes sense. Uh, Adam Caparello. Also of the Retro Groove podcast and the Octo Rock 1982 YouTube channel, and uh, Shy Guy, who is the second half of the Shy Guy Mod Squad, and the legend himself, the New Year's legend, Uncle Randy. Uncle Randy. Thank you so much, Uncle Randy. Love you very much. Happy New Year to everybody. Bowser's here in the chat. We had Delroy in the chat earlier. Big thanks to everybody hanging out with us on YouTube tonight. Uh, Love you all. Um, And we also, you know, normally we like to shout out our reviews if we have any brand new five-star reviews. No new reviews this week, but hey, you guys can come into the new year with some amazing five-star reviews. 
That's on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and Audible. You can leave us five-star written reviews and on Spotify, five-star ratings, and you would get shouted out right here at this point of the show. Yeah. I would shout you out. I'll do it. I promise. I've done it before. It's, yeah, it's recorded. He'll, he'll do it again. Yeah, I've done he'll it do before. It again. I can't stop him. <laughs> yeah, you can't stop me. I'll do it again. Uh, but with all that being said, sir, what's going on in your world this week? Oh, well, just doing a bunch of stuff to close out 2022, trying to crunch, trying to finish a few final games, including a game we're actually going to be talking about a little bit in the news roundup, such as it is. I've been playing Sports Story nice. quite a bit, and uh, I am, I'm going to hold off on most of my thoughts until I finish the game. Because as of yet, I'm actually fairly deep into Sports Story right now, and I blessedly haven't been dealing with a lot of the stuff that Good. has been making the rounds in the news cycle. Uh, and I, it's almost to the point where it, it almost feels like survivor's guilt or something, <laughs> where I almost feel guilty because I haven't had to deal with everything that everybody else has been dealing with. But Fair. I, up to this point in my playthrough, am enjoying it quite a bit. I have incredibly fun. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I have incredibly fun memories of Golf Story, of course. One of the reasons that Sports Story was so uh, highly anticipated this year. And, of course, got shadow dropped at the end of the Inside the House of Indies little five-point series of Advent Calendar micro-indie showcases last week. Too much excitement. And I've been playing it all the past week. I haven't beaten it, but so far, I have nothing but good things to say about it. Yes, I have noticed a couple small things, and I was like, eh, maybe they can patch this, but I haven't personally seen in my playthrough any of the, the game-breaking stuff. But again, good. we will talk about that here shortly. Ironically enough, there is another game that Shadow dropped during last week's Inside the House of Indies, hullabaloo, mm -hmm. that I did run into a pretty substantial game-breaking bug during my uh, during my playtime with it. That is Hyper Gunsport. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. I was like, what is he talking yeah. about? I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> a lot of people have already. <laughs> but yeah, I, I constantly profess here on the show, give me all of the arcade sports games. I want to play them all. So I put my money where my mouth was. I put $25 down to pick up Hyper Gun Sport last week. And honestly, I really kind of dig it. It is interesting. It's like, uh, it, it really feels like a mix between Windjammers 2 and something like Dodgeball Academia. Good games. But with guns instead hitting the ball with the guns is how you actually alter the trajectory of the ball. So uh, you have two people per team, you have your keeper or whatever, and then you have your striker. You have one mobile character who has more of a shotgun style blast, or you have one stationary character who has more of a shotgun style blast, and then you have a mobile character who has more of a direct kind of pistol shot. And then each of the teams in the game have their own special moves that can affect the ball trajectory in different and interesting ways. Uh, and I really like the presentation. It reminds me of all the best years of the Neo Geo. Like I said, the game reminds me of Windjammers, the pixel art. I think is really cool. The presentation, especially of stuff like the backgrounds and the arcade ladder is really on point. And just the gameplay itself, I, again, I really kind of dig it. 
Uh, and if it wasn't for if it wasn't for one thing, I will admit it would have gotten old very fast. But there's actually quite a few. I think about a couple dozen different individual special rule sets that add quite a bit of variety to the proceedings. So you have some where you can't jump at all. You have some where you can only reload. Uh, typically, the you, you reload over time. Like you can't just blast constantly mm-hmm. you uh, reload your gun over time but there are a couple special rule sets where you only get to reload if the ball comes back across your side of the net uh there are some that there are a ton of different things that affect the the gravity and the speed of the characters and the ball and even some of the different really interesting level implements there are some that make the ground typically it's the left or right sides of the stage that are the only goals, that are the only uh, scorable areas. But there are a few special rule sets that actually make the ground a scorable area as well. There's actually a lot of really interesting special uh, special rule sets in the game. However, comma space, it's 25 bucks. It has no online multiplayer. Mm. And again... After unlocking the first of two unlockable teams, there's seven total uh, seven total teams in the game. You only get access to five from the offset. But after unlocking the first one, the game has basically prevented me from progressing through their story. You can go through the arcade mode, which is slightly different for each team in the game. But you need to be able to go through the arcade mode with the unlockable team to get the final unlockable team and the game just won't let me do it it soft locks me up to the first match Jeez. every time i specific i did specifically tweet at the developer and they did specifically get back to me to say that they were able they did recognize the bug they were able to replicate it and they are currently working on a fix for it so um so you know that is there i have an official word from one of the developers that they are aware of it and they are working on it but still i mean <laughs> Like I said, I dig it, but that is a very steep price point for a game that has no online multiplayer. Yeah. And as much as I do dig it, the gameplay isn't quite on the level of the games that I've compared it to. The game, I would not put it above, even if Windjammers 2 and Dodgeball Academia, even if those both of those were only local multiplayer only, which admittedly I think Dodgeball actually is. Dodgeball is, for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I would say Windjammers 2, Dodgeball Academia, and a fairly easy number three would be Hyper Gun Sport in terms of how tight and how satisfying the actual gameplay is. If it goes on sale, if it goes on a deep discount, you know, check it out. I recommend it, especially if they get a couple of those, uh, those big bugs patched. But at full price, no online, it's, it's hard to give it a full recommend. Although I really dig it as a foundation. And if they are able to build on it and add more content to the game, add more like single player content or challenges or something like that, uh, I may come around to it and I may uh, take a second look at possibly recommending it in the future. But that's my little look at Hyper Gun Sport from this past week. But for now, he played it so you don't have to. <laughs> 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 I hate to say it like that because I, I did enjoy my time with it, but it's still it's still a hard game. It's still a very hard game to recommend. However, yeah. that wasn't the only thing that I played. I played that. I played Sports Story. I continue to play, continuing to play 
uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Honestly, yeah, outside of the world of Nintendo, I also got in this really weird Zoro kick over the past week. The original Zorro TV series. Kick, eh? Yeah, I know. Really? Random. I know it's random. How does but this I saw happen? The, yeah. Well, the original series, <laughs> the original television series, I think it's the original television series with Guy Williams from 1958 and 1959 was recently added to Disney Plus. Mm. And I was just like, why not? <laughs> so I've actually started watching some of the old 1950s Zorro TV Holy episodes, which parlayed itself into watching the two Zorro movies with Antonio Banderas right. and Catherine Zeta-Jones, which are on Netflix. Of course. So, like I said, just been kind of a weird wow. Zorro kick. I know it's completely random, but so, but that has been part of my week. And also just kind of getting ready for the golden aces here at the end of the year. You I know, know you are as well, but, but what have you been up to? Well, I just I had to just say, uh, you know, if Zorro were around today, they would throw him in Arkham. That's all I have to say. That's just yeah. my really nerdy Zorro Batman. R. I, that's my Batman rest in peace reference. Anybody out there who gets it, we can be friends. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Zorinar. That's right, man. Um, that, oh, what, what a mind-blowing book that is. Anyway, um, <laughs> don't get me started. Don't get me started. Um, I've been up to kind of a lot. Um, I finished Cult of the Lamb this week, which was cool. Uh, I've basically 100%ed it. Um, there's not really a whole lot left for me to do and, and less that I actually want to go back and do. Um, I really do love that game. Like I, I really enjoyed my time with it. I have significant issues with it. Um, I think that the balance between the roguelike kind of dungeon crawly Hades kind of thing it has going on and the actual cult management, I think it's like horribly skewed and unbalanced and needs work. Uh, it runs really, really badly on Switch once your cult start. Like, actually, I'm talking once it got to to like the end of the game where I had a cult of like 25 followers and I had a lot of things going on in my cult. Yep. It was like Scarlet and Violet bad. Like it was really bad. yeah to the point where if I was That's loading nice. in to a new zone, I was genuinely like it was a 50 50 shot of like is it gonna crash? Okay, cool. You know, like it, it, so it's did it rough. crash a few times? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I had, I ended up having the game crash on me like five or six times. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, that stinks. And it, and it's, it's gotta be like a memory leak thing or just a processing power thing. The switch just can't keep up with how that game's got a lot going on under the hood. I know it doesn't look like it. It looks like a very like simplistic game visually, but once you get a lot, there's really a lot going on. Once you get your, your cult and this one's tending to the farm and this one's on cleanup duty and this one's worshiping and this one's getting married and this one's doing, I mean, there's like a million little teeny tiny things going on. The switch just can't keep up. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate. Like it was getting, I, I got to the point where like, I would consider like, do I just stop playing this? But I charged through and I did really enjoy it. Bowser here in the chat says it even had issues on Xbox series X at launch. So really, maybe it's, maybe it's an issue just with the game. Maybe it's a memory leak thing. It reminds me actually of, um, when fallout new Vegas first came out, it had a similar thing where the deeper people were getting into it, the buggier it was. And it was a memory leak thing. And I kind of feel like Cult of the Lamb is maybe in the same boat. Um, Massive Monster announced this week that they have a big free update coming in early 2023. So I'm kind of hoping that that addresses some of it. Because 
and I feel like this is this is just sort of like my a feeling that I've had with a lot of games this year was I should have liked it more. You know, like I, I ended up liking Cult of the Lamb in spite of itself. And I feel like it genuinely, if some of these issues were ironed out, could have been way higher up in, in my, in my mind for like my favorite games of the year. Like there's a really good game in there. Um, but you know, I still, I still had a really good time with it. Um, so there's that. I, uh, did play through Tales of Iron and effectively 100% of that as well. I'm doing that for the Backtrackers, which is next weekend, January 7th in the Carpool Gaming Community. Uh, a bunch of us get together and chat like once a month about games and it's awesome and everybody's invited. Mm-hmm. If you guys want to join, you're w- totally welcome to. And the game is pretty short. Like I effectively 100%ed it in about six hours. Um, but man, what a good game this is. This is like begging for an indie showcase, begging for it. Like at some point you got to play it and we're going to have to talk about it on the show and just have like a nice meaty discussion about it. Cause it does deserve it. I, I really loved it. Like I, I came nice. into it, not really sure kind of what to expect. I had heard of it. I had seen the box art like a million times but I'd never really thought to pick it up and play it. But when Delroy picked it for the backtrackers, I was like, all right, let's see what's going on. It happened to go on sale right after he picked it. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And I, I loved it. Like, I thought it was great. Had a great time with it. Nice. Um, so did that. Uh, been playing melatonin, which is uh, yes. really good. Another game that shadow dropped during last week's inside the house of Indies advent calendar. Yep. Hullabaloo. It sure did. Really, really good. Really loving it. Um, it's hard. It's really hard. What's What's funny is talking to people who, because um, it, it's you know it's a rhythm heaven game essentially. Of course, yeah. And uh, and talking to people who have never played rhythm heaven, they're like, wait a minute, this game's hard. And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> like the difficulty <laughs> curve is real. Like it, it definitely you know is deceptively difficult. You're gonna come into it and be like. This little cute pastel pink and purple game ain't going to be that hard. And then, you know, I only have to press one button the entire time. No, it gets tough, dude. Um, so, yeah, Mel- Melatonin uh, has been a lot of fun. Really, really enjoying that. I'm not done with it yet um, because I have this, you know, I'm never going to perfect every stage in the game. That's just not going to happen. That's just never going to happen. Um, but I can't move on unless I have three starred the standard and the hard mode of each level. I can't move on until that happens. So still got a ways to go on that. that. Yeah. (laughs) And then, so when I wrapped up Tales of Iron, I was like, okay, you know, we're here at the end of the year. That's probably the last Nintendo Switch game that I think I'm going to play start to finish this year. I just don't think I'm going to fit anything else in. You know, I've crammed in so many games. We've been, we've, I mean, we've been playing so many games this month. And I was <laughs> like, I, I think I'm done. I think I'm good to put it to bed. Uh, it's time to start. And really, the next big game on Switch that I'm going to pick up is Theater Rhythm, which is in mid-February. So yep. I'm like, I've got a good month and a half, you know, to really kind of work at the backlog a little bit. So it's it's weird to say, but... I actually started playing something not on the Nintendo Switch. <gasps> I know. What a concept. This never happens. I genuinely have had a PlayStation 5 for over a year now, and I have not rolled credits on not one game on the PS5, other than It wow. Takes Two. Other than It Takes Two with my wife. That's the only game that I've rolled credits on. Sorry. 
Two, It Takes Two with My Wife and Life is Strange True Colors with My Wife, both of which I played previously on other platforms first. So, uh, but otherwise, I have not rolled credits on any PlayStation 5 games. So finally, despite owning it since day one, I finally downloaded on my PS5 Psychonauts 2 and started playing Nice. Nice. I've, I've put like three, four hours into it. I'm really loving it. And it's actually really nice. Can, can we actually just talk for a second? Just a quick second. Can I just talk to the Sony fans out there? Y'all got to do something about this controller. Like this, this PlayStation 5 controller, the battery life is awful. It's terrible. Like it's really bad. And I'm not trying to be like the Nintendo fanboy, but I'm totally spoiled by the pro controller where you can play it for like 50, 60, 80 hours on a single yeah. charge. I'm not kidding you. I will go through the bat. Like normally when I have to stop playing games on a PS five, it's because my controller's out of, out of juice. Like it, it, it's like five hours of battery life. It's bad. Yeah. My, my pro controller and the Nintendo switch has run low. It's notified me that it's running low on battery like two or three times. And each time I was like, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Like the, the, and I actually like the controller itself a lot. The DualShock five feels good. Has like some cool rumble. I don't really care about the, um, the adaptive triggers. They do this thing where like, there's like force feedback on the triggers. I don't really care about that, but like it has so much stuff inside of it that the battery life just tanks. Like it's awful. I'm like, why is this okay? I like, I, I'm not kidding. It's like five hours at the, on that. Hey, battery. Wired controllers are coming back in vogue, Seth. Wired oh controllers are becoming, they're becoming and, popular again. And, and you could like, right. You can use a USB C plug for it or whatever. And I have like a fairly, but if I'm, I'm like sitting on my couch playing, I don't want to be, you know, it's a whole to do anyway. Y'all got to figure out that controller's battery life. Just, just figure that if I could go in and turn off all of that junk to give myself more battery life, I would, I genuinely would. So anyway, that's, that's my little mini rant on the PlayStation controller. <laughs> I'm having fun. It's been great to play Psychonauts 2. I was about like, to say, are you actually enjoying the game? It's though? great. The, it's great. Psychonauts 2 is great. The the first Psychonauts, one of my favorite games of all time. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's crazy that I've gone this long without playing Psychonauts 2. And it's and it's so like it's so nice to be back in that world. Like they just get yep. you right back into it and it just it feels like going home. It's real real good. A very like weird a home. <laughs> yeah. And and it's weird to like it actually looks better than I was prepared for it to look like. Cause you know, Psychonauts is art we style. Play Nintendo switch. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, that's probably also true. Yeah, not for nothing. The Nintendo switch underpowered little baby. The games don't look so great sometimes. Um, but the, uh, you know, Psychonauts is art style. It kind of looks like a claymation Tim Burton kind of thing, you know, and it still does. And, and like, I just wasn't really prepared for it to like look and run as well as it does, I guess. Like I was just kind of, I don't know. It's weird. It's like weird. It's like, this is Psychonauts. So anyway, but all that humor is still there. The world is still there. It's a total treat. Good 3d, you know, collectathon platformer really, really enjoying it. So nice. yes, spider Shan, <laughs> spider Shan here in the chat. So little Nintendo news. So talking PlayStation, you're not wrong. Look, we're just, we're feeling, look, Nintendo gave us nothing to work with this week, my friend. We're, we're just hanging out right now, but we do have a few things to talk about. I was going to say, uh, should, should we go ahead and, and move into the little bit of news we do have? 
<laughs> Sounds good. There's there's a few things we're talking about, a few things here at the end of the year that we would like to discuss with you, our lovely, lovely listeners. So for the last time of 2022, let's talk about it. Hey, listen. Look, Seth, it's a little Mario toy. Hey, I got Look, one too. It's a little Mario toy. Look at him. <laughs> he... These toys are lame, dude. These they toys are, are <laughs> they are really bad. Kids, kids I don't today. know if it was just our memory of the toys from McDonald's back in the day, but these brand new Super Mario movie McDonald's toys that just dropped are <laughs> not worthy of the IP, frankly. Um, but they did, of course, just drop. They did, of course, finally get to McDonald's because the original release date for the Super Mario Brothers movie had it set to launch here uh, right toward the tail end of the holidays 2022. The merch has to keep rolling. Merch has got to keep rolling. Merch has to keep rolling. So the Mario toys, which features basically a bust of Mario punching his hand up in his iconic form, coming out of a little green pipe. He has a little Little Wahoo thing. Yeah. Yeah. Coming out of a, a green pipe, pipe coming yeah. out of a <laughs> green pipe, which is just spring loaded. You push it down, it comes back up. That's honestly That's all it. it does. That's all it is. But, uh, depending on your location, you may have gotten a couple others. A few of our friends were able to get their hands on uh, a couple of the other ones like Princess Peach and Toad. Uh, but for the most Apart, you're probably only going to be able to find the Mario toy for right now. But if that's something you're into, if you are that hype for the Super Mario Brothers movie, like Seth and I are, despite the relative low quality of this merchandise, because of what it's attached to, because of the enormity of the movie coming out, I'm going to try to get all of them. Oh, for sure. You know, merch. So if that's something that you're into, kind of reminds me a little bit. I'm sure it's not nearly going to reach the stages, reach the the level of insanity that the old 1990s Beanie Baby Rush uh, oh, got yeah, at McDonald's. No. no way. Yeah. But uh, but if that's something you're into, you know, check out your local McDonald's. The I think they sell them individually. I didn't. You know, they do. I, I I eat quite a bit more than a kid's meal these days so <laughs> but mcdonald's will individually sell the toys if that's what you're looking for for just a couple bucks which yeah frankly is too expensive yeah do you remember when they used to do the uh the mighty kids meal in like the like the yeah. late 90s early 2000s were just like a step above you'd still get a toy yeah. but it was like a step above kind of a teenager you know i used to i used to like that spider shan here in the chat says i miss the mcdonald's toys from the super mario brothers 3 era that's exactly it like that's that's what this is totally tapping into is mm-hmm. the um is like the Super Mario Brothers 3 you know, when we were all kids, that's the McDonald's toys we got with the wind-up Goomba. I miss those toys had little booklets of lore in yeah. them. And even that, even if they just simply included that, a little crappy booklet, I'd be happy. Haven't happier. you referenced one of those yes. terrible little booklets in one of your uh, behind enemy lines videos. The plug, first, plug, plug. yeah, the first episode of Behind Enemy Lines is about the Goomba because, of course, it is, and I reference it. There's a whole little, you know, minute long segment about McDonald's in in that episode, and um, yeah, man, like, and and it's cool because really all this is right. This is just a totem of this movie that we've been waiting on our entire lives. That's all this is just a cheap little plastic totem and it's, it's bad and it's low quality, but you know what? I love it. 
I love I do it. too. <laughs> and I'm and I'm gonna get them all for sure. Uh, Lockleth here in the chat says, "My other Nintendo Bros, Lockleth and I were chatting. She was able to get her hands on Luigi. Um, so we'll we'll see. I I think what's gonna happen here is you're seeing a lot of um. <laughs> she says Seth and his lore, shaking my head. Yeah, well look, you get that Mario lore from me anywhere you go. Um. I think McDonald's is getting these in waves. I think a lot of stores are starting with Mario and they're getting like these, you know, these boxes of, you know, Happy Meal toys or whatever. And a lot of places only have Mario for now. But eventually this is running from what I understand running until the end of January. So don't worry. Just keep poking your head into your local McDonald's. Don't be afraid to go up in there and just ask to buy it. You can buy the Happy Meal toys separately. You don't got to buy a Happy Meal. You can go up in there and just say, hey, I want, you know, I want my Toad or I want my, you know, my Bowser, or my Donkey Kong. Or, by the way, talking about lore, can we talk about how the Happy Meal toys just low-key confirmed Lumas in the movie? Can we just talk about that? That's like a <laughs> massive piece of information where, you know, we heard Peach in this latest trailer just, you know, say like the, the emphasis on like their other the galaxies. galaxies. Yeah. And, and then she just, you know, you know, next, next little be- piece of information we get, next little chicken McNugget of information we get is now there's nice. Lumas in the movie, apparently, because they have a Luma toy at Mario, uh, at McDonald's. Like, that's, that's wild to me that this is how we <laughs> learn that there's Mario Galaxy representation in the movie. Come on. I don't know. Take care of them. Take care of them. I don't know, you know collector's markets are are an incredibly bizarre and ever fluctuating uh abyss of madness but i don't know if these mario movie toys are going to be kind of remembered or uh talked about in the same vein as stuff like the old mcdonald's transformers uh toys from back in the day that actually the go food for transformers? A yeah the little that's uh, not like as much the fries as you think. and the burger and it's it's yeah. it, it's it's more than it's, it's they. Not like, it's not like a billion dollars a no, piece. No, but you know, no, you'll you get can, your money back at least. Yeah, but. you can get a uh, like I, I actually so I have a lot of fondness for McDonald's. Y'all know this. Uh, I keep a little vampire McNugget buddy on my desk. <laughs> so you know, I I I love Happy Meal toys. I I have a lot We're of nostalgia. We're honestly still waiting on that McDonald's side quest episode. <laughs> it's going to happen one day. I, I uh, think it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen one day. Um and 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 I have a lot of love for these Happy Meal toys. So so there is something just kind of nostalgic about uh getting this little derpy guy. You know, he didn't do much, but I love him. He's going to sit here on my desk. Make me think about this movie coming out in April. I know. I just, I do kind of wish there was like a little uh, watch battery in there where every time you push it down, it was like, wahoo, wahoo, yeah. wahoo. Just it would only work Pratt. like 10 times, but still, you know. <laughs> Eventually it gets all morph. Wahoo. Exactly. <laughs> Becomes cursed, you know. <laughs> just sounds like Chris but Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but, but ultimately, yeah. So uh, the McDonald's. Super Mario Brothers movie toys are out in the wild now. Look, uh, if you want to jump into our Discord, if you want to try to, you know, if you're having trouble finding stuff, maybe, you know, our Discord can kind of help you track down stuff that uh, you're having a hard time finding. If it gets if it gets to that point, I would be surprised. Let's 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 give it a little bit of time, y'all. Just just I know a lot of people are freaking out. We're in the early days. We're not in the wasteland <laughs> of Mario movie Happy Meal toys yet. Just relax. They've been available for like two days. Just, give me a Luigi lock. Give me a Luigi. <laughs> like, just chill out. We're gonna d- d- keep calm. Now, if if it gets to the end of January, 
and and nobody's able to find any toys, then we start freaking out. Then it's mass freak out. <laughs> then it's mass hysteria. Then no bet, you know, all bets are off. But for now, let's just you know, let's, we'll, we'll be all right. We're gonna get our toys. We'll be okay. Settle it and smash. That's right. That's right. Oh boy! But we're we're scraping the bottom of the barrel this week, Eric. There's really uh, one other big story that we uh, that we did want to talk about though, and this one not yeah. as pleasant, not as pleasant no. as. Uh, Happy Meal toys. So uh, I talked a little bit uh, earlier about the fact that I was playing Sports Story with Shadow Dropped last week, and I have been personally enjoying it. However, a couple things have come to light in regards to not just a lot of very prominent technical issues that a lot of people have been uh, suffering with since the game's release, but in addition to that, a secret room within the game was discovered through hacking, which essentially seems like uh, essentially a dev room of whistleblowers telling people that they would they've been overworked and you know basically all the the worst things about crunch that we've talked about in the video game indie dev or just the video game development community over the past few years. Uh, which uh, you hate to see that, but it's been getting a lot of traction over the past couple of days. I haven't seen anybody associated with the game specifically officially comment on it yet, but it is, it, it's a, it's a pretty uh, upsetting story. Yeah, it, it is apparently, I guess the way you do it, there's like an area in the game where you can like push some boxes around. I saw the, um, the, the person who initially discovered this uh, post a video of like how to replicate it. Um, and essentially you like move these boxes around. You can move, you can kind of finagle and move the box to block the entrance of the, of the building so that when you leave the building and come back in, the box is still there and you get pushed out of bounds. So, and then in the out of bounds space is where this like hidden developer room is now hidden developer rooms. Not uncommon, right? Pokemon always does this, you know, and, and usually there is some sort of like, facsimile for the developers in there, maybe some kind of wink and a nod at the audience. But this is like a sad cry for help. Like it comes off as like, it's really some of the things the developers are saying in that, like it almost feels like a creepypasta. Like it, it almost feels like that where they found this like hidden dev room where they talk about how like the, the, some of the things the, the little characters are saying in there that are supposed to be inserts for the developers, um, are saying things like, you know, my, my initial vision is destroyed. This game looks nothing like how I initially envisioned it. Maybe we should Mm -hmm. make sure the game works rather than add features, you know, that you could say the game has trouble development, like all this, like kind of bleak stuff. And I think it's sad. Yeah. Like it, it made yeah. me really sad to see it. Within the context of the game itself, these quote unquote fictional developers are talking about it in reference to the fictional game within the world right. of sports story called Galf. Galf. G-A-L-F. However, I mean, it is a very obvious like it's it's a wink and a nod to the point where like uh, is your eye twitching? Yeah. They, well, they reference so. you know because because that way the 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 kind of weirdly nice and ironic thing about that is because they're referencing Galf, they have the yes. scapegoat. They can say like we're exactly. not talking, we're not making a commentary. That's just what these totally fictional characters are saying about the fictional development of their fictional game. But it's yeah. like obvious that it's 
you know, that it's a, it's an obvious self insert for them. And when, when, when you have developers that like feel the need to put something like that in their game, like you got to think about how, how frustrated you have to be to put in the work required to make a whole little separate area and just hope the players find it. You know, it honestly reminds me of adventure. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. But uh, I'm I'm referencing the original Easter egg uh, from the Atari game adventure where they they didn't want to add credits. They didn't want to actually give credit to the game's developer. So we said, forget you guys. I'm actually going to secretly insert my name mm-hmm. into the game. Uh, so that's kind of what this feels like is the publishers coming down and making a bunch of mandates and demands and the developers just saying, well, forget you. We're going to you know find our own way to get back at them to, you know, have just a little piece of, you know, to regain just a little piece of dignity. I don't want to say dignity because I don't think any of their dignity has been lost. I just feel like, you know, I feel like artistically that's one of the things about the game is yes, it takes a lot of work, a lot of very tedious and a lot of very mind numbing work, but ultimately these are artistic creations you know, these are not just things that you check a lot of boxes. These are things you have to make creative decisions about. These are ways to express yourself as an artist. And when it gets to that point, when it gets to the point that these developers clearly have gotten to, uh, you just, you hate to see it. And I really hope that moving forward, you know, I hope that ultimately the game can wind up in a better state. But first and foremost, I hope that the people behind the game can find some type of closure can find some type of way forward. I don't know. There, there are a couple of things about this that kind of give me pause because the, it, it's clear that their artistic vision was compromised or that they feel that yep. way. It's clear that they feel like, you know, we had to crunch and, and features were being added versus like just making sure the game works. And while you've not encountered, you know, a lot of the bugs and crashes that a lot of people have, there've been a lot of people who are like, look, this game is like in a really bad state. Um, and it's unfortunate. And now the, the onus is sort of on the developer. Now the crunch is even more real because the game is out and now they yep. have to fix it. You know, and like, so I just feel really bad, like for the, for the people involved in it. And it also, I think just drives home. And this is another topic that I think was coming up a lot this year. And it's almost like a little bittersweet, well, not even bittersweet. It's just kind of a a final note to 2022. We saw a lot of stories this year kind of, you know, starting right at the, at the top of the year, talking about unionization in video games, right? Yep. And here we are, you know, going from things like the Helena Taylor thing and and the way voice actors are treated in the video games industry. And here we are seeing this to end out the year with. And it's just this realization of like, there is something bad bubbling under the surface of basically anything you consume. And even if, if that developer room was, was never put in or never discovered, you would have never known that that was going on behind the scenes. I think about even stuff like what's happening with the outbound ghost. This stuff is yep. happening over and over and over and over again. And it's, and it's, this is just the stuff we see. This isn't even referen- in reference to, you know, that game of Space for the Unbound that finally comes out next month and all the stuff they had to deal with. Like, these stories were frequent this year, you know? And um, it, it sucks. It, it sucks. And, like, my my big hope is that now that a lot of these stories are public and, and they are getting sort of their truth out there, that 
the publishers who are treating these people wrong um, are, are going to realize that more of the spotlight is on them than ever before. That's my big hope. Yeah. So, well, you know, uh, there is a potential route for you to take. And we do have a couple friends that uh, we think that you should talk to if you want to go that specific route. Uh, Chris, Gemma, Miriam, maybe they could talk to some of the people from Vodio Workers United about the possibility of at least looking into becoming a union to, you know, do what they can to, to fight back against a lot of this, because all this is going to do, all this is doing, you know, after all the negativity that's been created because of all the demands and the crunch and everything like that, all it's doing is bringing even more negative press on both the publisher and the game itself. So uh, hopefully, eventually, you know, both sides have to understand. And I, when I say both sides, I mean the world of developers and the world of publishers at large that it, it, this is always going to happen when you're when you're making these demands when the crunch is happening you know listen to your developers when they're coming back at you don't just try to make things bigger and sexier all the time because these are the situations that are becoming depressingly commonplace it's sad it's sad but you know it, it was one of those things too where we, we did want to highlight it. You know, there, there are a lot of things that happened um, this week that we could have talked about. We are, of course, aware of, uh, of some of the leaks and rumors that have been going on in the Nintendo sphere. Uh, we're aware of, like, the Tears of the Kingdom thing that, you know, but mm -hmm. we, we don't talk about leaks and rumors on the show. Um, when it is officially revealed... If it's real and if it's officially revealed, we'll talk about it then. Um, so that that's why we're not talking about that this week in case anybody was wondering or tuning in for the first time. But what we will yeah. do is we will take the opportunity to spotlight something nasty um, that's that's happening and to raise awareness about it. And uh, that's all we can do, man. That's all we can do. That's all. And unfortunately, aside from that, there's really not too many other big news stories, quote unquote, within the world of Nintendo. There are a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning here as we get toward the end of our final news as Seth plays with his little Mario toy. As we get to the end of our final news roundup of 2022, I do want to say, especially if you are a big indie fan like both Seth and I are, the indie sale that's going on right now on the eShop is ridiculous. Yeah. Like everything that's on my wish list is basically half off at this point. So if you have any eShop gift cards from the holidays, Good call. they have given you they have given you a ton of reasons to spend those right now. So a ton of really good, really high profile, a ton of games that we have uh, featured on indie showcases in the past two and a half years. So if you're looking for some good games to end out 2022 on, there are a lot of very deep discounts going on on the Nintendo Switch eShop right now. I also do want to... Th this is this also isn't a news story, but... Well, I guess partly a news story because a Nintendo content creator other than us actually made a really cool observation about the world of Nintendo. Shock and awe. But I did think that something that uh, the Supper Mario Broth Twitter posted uh, today was, was actually a really astute observation and something at least worth mentioning today. It is the first time since 1990, 1990 in 32 years, first time since 1990, that two or fewer Mario games released within a calendar year. Nice. Those two being uh, 
Sparks of Hope and uh, uh, Strikers. Strikers Battle League, yes. Yeah. Now, we did get the Mario Kart DLC, and of course, there's a lot of eyes on the Super Mario Brothers movie. But yeah, for the first time in 32 years, we got two or fewer Mario games released within a calendar year. I, I did think that was an interesting observation, worth noting at least. That's I'm cool. into really cool trivia like that. Well, yeah, I've been I've been following Super Mario Bros. for like 10 years. That's definitely the place you want to be if you like stuff like that. Uh, Super, and, and by the way, Broth, the, the curator of Super Mario Broth, is like one of my white whales. I would love to get him on the show. Yeah, come on the show. I, We'd love yeah. to have you. Come on the show. This is actually, I think, maybe the first person I ever invited onto All In ever. Oh. Yeah. So, anyway, he, he's one of my white whales. I would love to make that happen. I'm such a huge fan nice. of uh, Super Mario yeah. Broth. But, anyway... Anyway. Well, something for you to do this weekend, Seth. Uh, maybe time for you to jump back in for at least just a day into Pokemon Scarlet and Violet because everybody's talking about the Cinderace Terror Raid event going on right now. Speaking of this, this, those seven-star raids, geez. Like, if, if you're not bringing a level 100, perfect IV, fully EV'd out, like, specifically trained countermeasure to whatever's in those level seven raids you're basically just gonna get wrecked those things are stupid but in addition to the cinderace gengars are actually part of that event seth oh nice that's cool gengars and gyarados are the like four and five star pieces of this week's event raid terror raid event thing so i've picked up a couple uh super really cool gengars and i know gengar is your boy seth so i figured you know I would shout that out for, and if you want to pick up a nice big special event Gengar this weekend, if even if you care nothing about Cinderace, you can pick up Gengar and Gyarados in the raid events this weekend. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. I do like Gengar. Maybe. I know we'll you see. like Gengar. <laughs> we shall see. Do we even have, I, I think maybe we have like a notable release <laughs> to shout out, don't we? Well, the only thing resembling a notable release from this past week is... Uh, the newest Arcade Archives, which just dropped, I believe, earlier today. Finally, we have uh, Bubble Bobble. The original Bubble Bobble was added to the Arcade Archives uh, series from Amster earlier on today. Uh, Arcade Classic, I'm a huge fan of Bubble Bobble, especially the sequel, Rainbow Islands. One of my favorite NES games, one of the most underrated um, one of the most underrated games, frankly, of all time, in my opinion. I adore Rainbow Islands. But yeah, if you like Bubble Bobble, the original is now the original arcade version is now finally available on the Nintendo Switch. And when it comes to notable releases, that's kind of it. Yeah, that's kind of it. There's a couple like toddler centric puzzle games. And when I say puzzle games, I mean, literally like jigsaw puzzles, like 12 piece jigsaw puzzles that would take anybody with three brain cells two minutes to finish the entire game. But go figure. Nobody wants to release their game in the actual final couple days of 2022. Nothing. We're, th this is like the most blood we've been able to squeeze from this stone, man. It's just not, it's just, it just ain't happening. There's just nothing coming out. Very few, you know, news stories, but Hey, at least we had some fun. At least we were able to we talk about some, some we stuff. We always have some fun. We <laughs> always have some fun and it's nice. It's, it's been nice just to be able to hang out and help ring in, the new year. We knew it wasn't going to be big. I'm going to jump on to Animal Crossing. Like I said, I've specifically, specifically stayed off my island all year. 
just because I want to ring in the new year with it and just kind of do like a year later, Animal Crossing New Horizons a year later, just see what's going on, see the Lord of the Flies situation. Stomp all the cockroaches. Probably going, yeah, exactly, the cockroaches. And my island's probably overrun with weeds at this point. You know, it's pirates have probably taken over the entire island three times over. Yeah. But I do, you know, I'm sure I'm making it up much more than it's, much more interesting than it's probably it's just going an to be, island of cannibals now they've all eaten each other Only- i would respect that i would actually <laughs> that would be amazing if you don't come back to animal crossing after a year or so the game just completely shifts focus and becomes a survival super horror. dark that that would be low-key amazing goose goose just like bashes you with like a i have the conch i will speak exactly <laughs> oh my gosh it's ridiculous. Well, that's cool. Bruce, I, Brewster's he, just jittering in the corner from too much. He's yeah. like, I've seen things. Yeah. I don't know. I we'll see. I might I might turn on Animal Crossing. I don't know. It's been a long time as I played. My I my villagers probably don't even remember who I am anymore. <laughs> uh so that that would be crazy. Um I always do I always watch Star Wars A New Hope for New Year's. And um there's this tradition that that's the a little Rebel on the Force, nose. Yeah, Rebel Force Radio uh, is a podcast I've listened to for a long time, a Star Wars podcast. And they have, um, I don't remember the exact time, but if you start Star Wars New Hope at a certain time and play mm-hmm. it at that time, the Death Star will explode at midnight. And we, we've course, done that yeah. the past few years. So it's nice. fun. It's fun. Very nice. But uh, let us know what you guys are up to this New Year's Eve weekend. How are you ringing in 2023? Let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook at All In Podcast, on Twitter at All In Podcast. Join us over at YouTube.com slash All In Podcast, where we stream these amazing weekly news broadcasts from each and every Friday night at 8 p.m. C- uh, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And after you've checked out the podcast, after you've checked out our social medias, after you've checked out our videos, after you've checked out Seth's videos, make sure to also check out Le Patreon. Le, le Patreon. Oh, oui, oui. Um, le yeah. Patreon. Le, le Patreon.com slash all in podcast <laughs> is, uh, is where you go. There are three tiers of support there. Join the army of incredible people who, uh, who like support Daniel. us over there. Like Daniel Hinojosa. Uh, love that guy and love everybody who supports us over there. Thank you guys so much. And if you don't have any bones to throw our way in the new year, we, we get it. That's, that's all fine. You can drop us some words entirely for free on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and Audible. And you can leave us five-star ratings on Spotify. Very, very free, very easy, and very appreciated. Ring in the new year with an all-in podcast review, won't you? The gift <laughs> that truly keeps on giving. <laughs> we appreciate it. But uh, for all of you who have supported us in 2022... Thank you all so much for all of our amazing patrons who have been with us since we started Patreon this year. Thank you all so, so much for all of you amazing people who have dropped reviews or ratings on whatever service, whatever podcasting platform you listen to the show on. Thank you so much for anybody who has even stopped in to consume any piece of our content at all in the past two and a half years and help share it over the internet. Namaste. Namaste, indeed, my friend. And, you know, we're here. It's New Year's Eve. We are obviously, I think everybody is kind of using the opportunity to look forward to the new year. But before we do that, we actually 
thought it might be kind of nice to take a look back at the year that was. Yeah, we will be taking a very deep look back next week at a lot of the best software that we got. But in terms of the memories, you know, you can't just you can't just break a single calendar year down to the things that we got. It's the friends we made along the way, Seth. It's the <laughs> memories. It's the most important times of our lives that we are going to take with us, not just those experiences we have with some pixels and polygons on a screen. So for this week's top five, we thought we would do just that. We would take a look back at 2022 and count down our most memorable, our awesomest, uh, our greatest, our most fun, just our top moments of all in 2022. So Eric, this is normally where I would ask you to tell us the rules. Don't but you dare, Seth. A <laughs> little, bit, little bit weird to, to ask for the rules on this one. I do think, you know, there, there was something that we kind of uh, new going into this and we were talking about doing this list because we we have actually thought about doing something like this in the past but we thought maybe it was a little blowhardy maybe it was a little you know like we were a little full of ourselves or or whatever but yeah it, it, it's a nice opportunity to look back at the past year and, and just the moments you know there's been a lot that's happened with all in this year yeah we didn't want we were very careful when, when thinking about how to frame this conversation because we don't just want to say that these are the only moments that matter. If you ever go back and listen to our shows, these are the only moments or times that you should care about. Absolutely not. But uh, I mean, there's just been so many cool things that have happened with us, with Seth and myself because of this show, because of the amazing community that we have built around us and because of, you know, just all the hard work that we've put in, frankly, doing the show and all the amazing experiences we've we've been uh, fortunate enough to have along the way that there were a few that we really just felt we had to spotlight. And, you know, and we didn't really think a look back on 2022 was complete without paying these moments their proper respect. Yeah, so so let's get into it, man. Um, we have a top five here. I think there's a lot of kind of things within the top five. But to kick off this list at number five, we actually wanted to take the opportunity to just talk about episode 100, which yes. happened this year. <laughs> um, we yes. we made a big deal out of this. It was our 100th episode. We did episode. make a big deal out of it. Uh, this, <laughs> uh, the work for episode 100 was actually like several months in the making. Uh, yeah. There were things that we were working on, like little things and seeds and breadcrumbs that we were planting and little things that we were trying to do. There were a lot of little touches that we added to episode 100. I made it my I made it my epic quest to make sure that we had a brand new original theme for all in for episode 100 moving forward. We endeavored we couldn't do episode 100 without calling back to our very first show and our very first guest, the amazing Greg Lobanov, coming back to talk about his, you know, magnum opus up to this point, at least, Chicory. And then, of course, you know, there were a ton, like Seth put in like twice as much work putting the show together behind the scenes that a lot of you guys probably don't even know about. There, there are a lot of little, like, fun details that we worked into episode 100 because, yeah, the... 
on the surface, we knew that we wanted episode 100 to be a little bit of a, like a, what's old is new again, is how I like to think about it. This mm-hmm. sort of like, we have a brand new theme song. We had used that, uh, that Groove Cube theme song for, you know, 99 episodes. So to debut the awesome new theme song that we have now by the Red Panda uh, was, was awesome and everything. But there was even little teeny tiny things that I thought were just kind of fun details that uh, I made a little Twitter thread about this a while ago when episode 100 came out. But for anybody who missed that, I just wanted to go through some of these little fun facts that you guys might not know. And it might just give you a little bit of a window of just like, the insanity and thought process that goes into this little podcast sometimes. Um, the way, so I think probably the most front facing example of this is the episode art for episode exactly, 100. Yeah. The episode art. If you look at the episode one episode art, uh, I mean the, the parallels there are pretty clear, but even beyond that, uh, set that at a few <laughs> wonderful little touches, even, uh, even more so than the obvious. Yeah, so in the in the episode one episode art, you know, I had never done anything with it before. So it's literally just a like Mario background. Our first indie showcase was the Bard, um, or was Wander Song. So the Bard from Wonder Song is sort of jumping out of a warp pipe to a surprised, you know, Paper Mario the Origami King, you know, with like the our first top five was like fighter, smash fighter predictions or something. Yeah, the Smash, um, uh, the Fighter Ballad 2 that had just yeah. been kind of confirmed. So all these uh, Smash Brothers invitations were flying everywhere. Yeah, so I, I pretty directly, you know, parodied all of that in um, in in this in episode 100. It it's a direct, you know, repeat of that. But Greg is where the logo once was. There's a big 100. It says version 1.0.0 because that references this the episode 100 top five. Um, bunch of envelopes still, but you know, it's funny to think about Galarian Slowbro wasn't even in episode one's, uh, artwork that didn't come until episode two or three, I think. Um, so he wasn't in there. So now he is, he's the one coming out of the pipe and it is pizza (laughs) from chicory looking at him. Um, so it's just like that. That's a really fun, you know, kind of callback. And that's, that's pretty front facing. Um, and I also kind of put like duller lighting on it so that it kind of looked like it had aged, but then there's like neon, like our logo is glowing and the 100 is like neon lights and stuff. So it just sort of, you know, looks like it's glowing against something that has aged. You know, we also directly call back to our names. You know, we always do kind of our silly little themed names. Um, we did that in the intro for episode 100. We used the same mm-hmm. names as we did. We said like, I'm still, you know, Seth, the hero of time. And, and I'm you know, so still that was, Super Mario Eric or, or Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Erics. I think that's what it was. Yeah. And then yeah. even even little tiny stuff like um, the flow of it, like the structure of it. We did it the exact same way we did it yep. in episode one. Um, we developed this kind of like unspoken thing where I started introducing guests on the show after a little while. Um, but you know, since you were the one to introduce Greg in episode one, you introduced him in episode 100, you know, and even the title is a callback episode one of all in is titled Nintendo is for everyone. And episode 100 is titled, this is for you, you know? So that was, uh, yeah, it was all just in the service of like calling back to the origins of the show and bringing it all together. And I thought it was just a super cool moment. The, the amount of layered thought and, the, you know, 
you could maybe think of All In as a glass onion. Because <laughs> it's true of how layered we go out of our way to try to make this show the subtle things that we add to the show to probably not overtly, but we hope at least subtly make people realize how much thought and effort and time and blood, sweat and tears goes into everything that we do and every piece of content we create. But I think episode 100 really is the, you know, the best example of all of those things. And I am incredibly proud of episode 100. Me too. You know, little bit of shoddy interview audio to the side. <laughs> hey, that's all right. We we got yeah, use out of right. it. It was good, we man. Did. We good did. Episode. I I love episode one hundred. Love that theme. Love everything we did with it. Here's to episode two hundred, bud. But yep. um, for our number four, for our number four, uh, last year for Halloween, we decided since uh, we were able to get our friends the Nintendo Pals on that we would have fun and play a little Halloween party game and it came off so well and it turned out to be so much fun we decided to do that again this year and it wound up being even bigger wound up being even better and we may have just found our halloween tradition seth because this year uh (laughs) we we took our halloween game to new heights thanks to andros and his awesome slash really bizarre slash kind of creepy red Pikmin outfit. Yeah, it was it was kind of terrifying actually. Kind the of Pikmin yeah. Andros. With but, the googly you know, eyes and everything. Yeah. It was it was strange. But it was it was just kind of like, you know, we take our Halloween episodes seriously. Yeah, and y'all know that and, we do. I mean if 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 the past couple of minutes of talking about episode one hundred was any indication, like we we like tradition and we like calling back and we like, you know, kind of, you know, rolling out the red carpet for certain special events, even though this is ultimately just a podcast, it's nice to blow up certain things and make a small thing big. And so, um, for the Halloween episode, like it was really great to not only have the red Panda do that amazing Halloween remix. That Halloween theme is fire y'all good. Honestly, it's worth going back and checking out the episode just for the Halloween remix that the red Panda did for us. That, that Halloween theme is absolute fire. It's so good. I like, I might like it more than the standard theme. Like it's so good. He just did such an amazing job with that. And so, and in a really quick turnaround too, he like, he got that to us within like a couple of days. Like he's, he's amazing. You guys. Yeah, If if you needed a really good, music like that definitely check out uh it's the red panda at it's the red panda on twitter he, his his links are in every episode description so definitely show some some love his way but um but yeah to to, to have you come back with your uh with your trivia game which is always super fun to do it live on the youtube channel always super fun like the the halloween episodes are special it's nice to have kind of big event episodes like that and we uh i honestly I, it's going to be hard to top this year's Halloween episode next year. <laughs> you know, it's so hard to put together a variety trivia yeah, game. It's so imagine. hard to do that. But I took my duties as game master incredibly seriously. And I'd like to think that I put together quite a good Halloween themed zombie survival trivia game night for all of fun. us. Definitely go back and check that out. We have both the the podcast version and on the YouTube VOD, 
we actually uh, have a lot of extra content not available in the podcast. So make sure to check out the YouTube vod of that if you can. That's true. Yeah, there's there's like a good like thirty minutes of extra Worth stuff that, on the YouTube vod. There's a ton yeah. of extra stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, because because we had a ton of uh, community submissions. And um, did, a lot yeah. of them, a lot of them made it into the game. Some of them didn't. And so for the, like, after we were done with the segment, we were just like, let's just keep going. So, yeah. So the VOD's like genuinely twice as long as the segment in the episode. It's, it's really good. Ton of fun though. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, we love our Halloween and the, the Halloween game is, has quickly become a highlight of our year. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you what, um, speaking of like YouTube VODs and stuff, uh, another YouTube VOD you guys should check out ties into our number three. It actually just happened. Our number three is our playthrough of It Takes Two that we just did together. That was so special. What a a special time. Yeah, we've already talked about it ad nauseum on not just the main show, but even on SideQuest at this point. But that was something that you and I waited uh, so, so long for. It won Game of the Year at the Game Awards last year. And when it finally got announced for the Nintendo Switch, you and I immediately were like, we have got to play this co-op online together. Like That was our immediate initial gut reaction. It was like, this is absolutely happening. And yeah. we, you know, we had to wait on it. We had other things come up, but we finally were able to do it just in this past month. And... It was it was genuinely as great an experience as I was expecting. It was so so much fun. Not just not to just be able to play through the game, but to be able to experience a special title like that in such a special way. To be yeah. able to stream it for our fans and to be able to do it with one of the most important people in my life, my amazing co-host. Yeah, man. Like it, it's a it's a special game. Get to play it with a a special person and in. And for an audience of special people, you know, I mean, what can be better than that? That's what, that's what life is all about, dude. And, um, and it it was great. It was, it was truly one of the most uh, special experiences we, we had this year. And, uh, what's nice is again, you can go and watch it. You can go watch the entire thing. We streamed the entire playthrough, 100% of it, all 10 and a half hours, uh, are there on YouTube. Yeah. And if you're interested at all, if you don't want to have anything spoiled for you, uh, you can check out the game yourself. Only one person. It has to be played co-op, but only one person right. needs to actually own the game. The other person can download an app that will allow them to play along with you completely free. And there's even a way to demo the entire first chapter of the game if both people download that little friend app that I was talking about. So if you want to experience this game for yourself, which we do highly recommend, uh, definitely check out those options. But... Uh, we, we had a lot of fun uh, collaborating with each <laughs> other in our playthrough and maybe even some light trolling with each other and some fun with all the different mini games that are scattered throughout the title. It's, it was just a blast. Yeah, very, very special. I think, too, um, maybe just to, to move into our number two, you know, and this is kind of maybe this is a little bit of a cheating uh, entry here, but. Like we got to just shout out some of the amazing guests we had on the show this year. Like well, we have the option to talk to some of the most talented creators on the planet. Like genuinely mm-hmm. some of the most talented creators on the planet, not just some of the most talented switch indie game developers, genuinely some of the most talented people on 
the planet. And it's been amazing over this past year to talk to the people who put together a lot of our favorite games yeah. this year. And uh, I mean, of course, people like Bonta Avond and uh, Fred Wood and, uh, you know, so many people just immediately pop into our heads. But like, it's it's not even just that. We get to talk to, like we had a, a sh- you know, Shy Guy City on here talking about critical diversions because he, you know, we're so proud of him that he was finally able to get that to the finish line. And then we have awesome creators like Rowan Fox Noble and his awesome manuals that you should definitely go check out. Uh, full disclosure, he did give us a couple, but uh, I, I would, I'm honestly still saying this completely regardless of. Oh, we, yeah, we had him on the show before that, that yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah, him on the show before that, that happened. Definitely go check out Rowan Five. There's been so many incredibly creative and fun people that we've had on the show over this past year that we have had an absolute blast talking to. Of course, it was an, it was a treasure to have Greg back to talk about one of our favorite games of last year. And then, like yeah. I said, Bonta Avon was amazing. Like the the amount that the four of us just genuinely clicked was so incredibly special I, best i think it's still the best interview we've ever done was bond to uh, bond well yeah we've got to we've got to collaborate with them on something in the mm-hmm. future but even them like earlier on in the year we had all the amazing people behind uh, another one of our favorite games uh, on the nintendo switch wonderland we had all the people from yeah. bitwave on the show which was so so cool it was awesome man i mean like it's it's great to be able to talk to um, independent developers, community members, like, like you mentioned, um, having Matt on the show to talk about, you know, not, not just critical diversions, but Meverse. like yep. <laughs> that's something that he and I have wanted to like talk about for a long time in recorded form. So it was just great to have him on to talk about his new project, to talk about Meverse. That was definitely one of my favorite just segments in general. I, you know, it sounds silly, but like all of our guests are are awesome. Having Bryce, Bryce Boer on the show, I've wanted to yep. have him on the show for forever. Um, you know, before Lockleth and I had um had really joined like Carpool Gaming and stuff, we had her on the show uh to essentially review Disney Dreamlight Valley. Yeah. Um and basically. like talk about it. And that well, and what was cool was it and this is something that I think that I'm I'm proud of us for doing a lot more with the show this year is, is just sort of like this idea of rethinking the way we approach some of our segments where with that one, we were like, well, just because you and I aren't playing Disney Dreamlight Valley doesn't mean we shouldn't still cover it and reach out and collaborate with somebody who has, you know, so yeah, we wanted to make sure yeah. exactly collaboration. So it was just great to have her, um, come on to the show and and chat about it. And then, you know, little did I know, just a couple of weeks later, her and I would begin working together like every week and she's become a really close friend. And, you know, it's just, it, it's really cool how that all sort of worked out. And um, yeah, to have like all of these amazing guests to be a sort of spotlight on uh, on Little Nemo with Dave Morrow was really cool. Yep. God, I cannot um, wait for Little Nemo and the Guardians of Slumberland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I just, I think about all this stuff in, in the indie game space. Obviously, uh, the first guest we had on the show this year was Fami, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was great. I think that's also one of the best interviews we've ever done. And, uh, you know, he obviously, he sadly passed away near the end of March. Um, so it was really special to get to have, like, this totem 
of um to, to get I've listened I've gone back and listened to that segment many many times <laughs> since his passing and um it's nice to have that sort of totem to look back on and uh the episode immediately following that was with Vodio Workers United which I'm also Ex- very proud of Exactly uh, yeah it's not yeah. just you know game makers it's people who are moving the industry forward and making it a better industry for everyone involved being able to have uh being able to have Miriam and Chris and Gemma from Vodio Workers United come and talk about the awesome work they were doing, trying to push forward and become the first, uh, the first officially recognized video game workers union in North America, really laying the groundwork for a lot of stuff that's happening at Activision Blizzard as we speak. So that was that was a really really important, really great interview that I'm also very proud of. Yeah. Just, just, you know, I, all of our guests were, were amazing this year. Huge shout outs to everybody who, you know, who came on and hung out with us, you know, for a little while and contributed to, to our show and really just sort of, even if it was just, Hey, you know, let's come on and talk about your game, share your stories. Christoph Galati with, uh, with Saving Mr. Mr. Taco. Taco. What a great amazing, story that is too. Amazing story. Like having Stephen Frost on to talk about Atari 50 and digital clips and Cowabunga collection. I mean, we've had, we, we're so lucky. We really are so lucky to j- just looking back at all this stuff to, to get to talk to some of these people. We're, we're just very, very lucky, man. It's awesome. But it wouldn't be uh, an all-in top five if we didn't have a few honorable mentions, a couple of things that we wanted to shout out here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, we didn't want this top five to just turn into like a half hour advertisement, but there are a couple things that we did, a couple things that we started here in 2022 that we are also very proud of, but we didn't want to bend your ear for half an hour talking about our Patreon when we already remind you of it a couple times an episode. By the way, you should become a patron, just saying. But in addition to that, a lot of the, you know, the other initiatives that we've started, uh, we, you know, because of Patreon, we do side quests now. Uh, Seth all, uh, obviously does the $2 hero cast and, uh, you know, our very own, uh, $2 heroes also expanded his reach in the world of Nintendo content creation, joining the wonderful folks over at carpool gaming. Like he was mentioning earlier with our friend Lockleth for the Nintendo drive. So, you know, big things have happened, uh, that we are very proud of, but it felt yeah. a little insincere to, maybe a little bit too much of a toot our own horn kind of thing to, to yeah. talk about them here in the top five there it's it's a little bit weird and and you know i i always feel really uncomfortable tooting my own horn and stuff but i also look back at at this year and just like you know there's cause to be proud of a lot of this stuff you know and i look at like some of these um like the the growth on youtube you know which has been like my main grind this year is, is like growing that YouTube channel. I set out a goal. I went full time in June and I said, by the end of this year, I want to hit a thousand subscribers, you know, and I want to make YouTube partner by the end of the year. Well, I hit a thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel within a month of saying that. And now as we, you know, enter the new year, I have grown that little YouTube channel to over 3000 subscribers. And like, I'm just very proud of that, you know, and it's, it's hard and it's hard work. And sometimes you put a lot of like love and care into a video only for it to get hate or only for it to not do well or whatever. And then sometimes you stay up late and lose sleep and think nobody's going to care about this bug snacks video for it to get, you know, now it's sitting at almost 35,000 views, you know, 
So it's it's just crazy. It's and it's it's been really cool and gratifying to see and to just you know continue to work really hard on that. The All In YouTube channel, uh, I'm very very proud of that. So I definitely wanted to shout that out. Um, I think another kind of fun thing that we did this year, and we'll get to continue to do it in the new year, because we did a review of uh, a movie this year, which was fun. <laughs> Sonic uh, Two. Yeah, Sonic 2. Not our first movie review. We did do two movie reviews last year, actually. We, we did, actually. Mortal Kombat, the 2021 Mortal Kombat. And then, actually, it was part of our holiday season last year. Uh, y'all remember 8-Bit Christmas that dropped on Netflix last year? We did an 8-Bit Christmas review. And it, it's fun to do that. It's fun to like have an opportunity to sort of like do a movie review on a video game podcast. <laughs> you know, it's kind of fun. Um, so yeah, to be able to do that Sonic two movie review was, was super fun. Uh, good movie as it turns out too. I like it good a lot. Movie, As it turns out, I think Seth, we might have another movie review coming up in April. Can't imagine what see. you're talking about. Yeah. I can't <laughs> imagine which one you're referring to. Uh, and then I also just wanted to shout out how, E3 this year completely ruined our plans <laughs> and our bingo cards. Uh, we had literally, Eric and I literally sat down for like, we did predictions, bingo cards and stuff. We had all these thoughts and then none of it happened. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It was like a partner I said, showcase. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I said, we're very proud of the work that we put into a lot of the minutia of the show that isn't very apparent to a lot of people. And when Nintendo's E3 happened, you and I just kind of looked at each other across the fabric of space time and just were like, what just happened? You're just kind of like, whelp. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, just really funny. Cause we, we didn't know what to expect going into E3. You know, when you're a content creator, um, E3 is kind of the time you're basically just waiting for a bomb to drop. You're basically yeah. just waiting for a bear to come out of hibernation. You know, you're just kind of like, when is this happening? And what is it going to be like when it does? When is this about to pop off and get wild? Right. Don't blink. Something's coming. What? I don't know, but it's right. coming. When? Right. I don't know, but it's coming. So it's funny that like we had all these expectations, especially since Nintendo had been so quiet in the first half of the year. We were like, okay, like, like what does, you know, Nintendo Z3 look like this year? It's got to be something big. We had all these lofty predictions and things. And then it was a partner showcase, <laughs> you know, and like none of the first party announcements. It was a really good partner showcase, it but it was still a partner showcase. We didn't get like our proper big first party Nintendo direct until September. So it was just really funny. We had all these plans in place and then they just said, Nope, those plans. <laughs> no, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> and us along with everybody else, just digitally ripping up our bingo cards and tossing them yeah. in the, the desktop trash. <laughs> yeah. and like, Oh uh, man, we I'm going to love this, hopes. but I'm going to hate loving it. Had such high hopes. We had, we had so many thoughts going into that. It was so funny. We did. We did. There, there's been so many weird things that have happened this year that we'll probably also remember uh, for a very long time to come. But honestly, you know, at the end of the day, when we look back, our most treasured memories, our most memorable memories, our fondest memories, our insert other superlative here memories are honestly going to be all the gaming and all the interaction and all the times 
we got to play directly with you, the community. Yeah. The the community stuff was definitely top of mind as we come into the end of the year because I really do feel like, you know, the the pod the weekly podcast is great, but if you're somebody who listens to this podcast and you're not in the all in community Discord, uh, you really are missing out. Like the community is amazing. I'm so proud of of yeah, those. You guys people. are number one on this list and number one in our hearts. I mean, I'm just I'm so proud of those people and just the the kind, intelligent, open, you know, conversation that happens there. People sharing things from their lives and like the the people like coming together and you know and getting to play games and interact with you with you amazing people. I mean, how could there be any other number one? Honestly, yeah, just the different Mario Kart track drops that we've gotten and getting everybody together for huge game nights and just having these huge like 12 person races going on was just so, so much fun. And after uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet came out, we've had so many people in the Scarlet and Violet portion, the game hub in the discord, just helping each other out is like okay raid battles with this and here's how to ev train and trying to show new people okay here's what this concept means and being incredibly supportive and uplifting constantly and that's just a couple examples how like how many awesome monster raids did you and i go on with yeah you know so many people in monster hunter rise after sunbreak came out that's how we played most of sunbreak was collaboratively with the community collaboration yeah man it's it's really cool it's really special i think um you know there are a lot of times with the with the podcast anyway where it's like oh we're just two guys like we're just kind of doing this part but we're not just two guys you know we're we have this huge community of people and so much of like my enjoyment of something like neon white which is like my favorite game of the year is because of the community is because of like Matt and I being up at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, trading world records, furious and sweaty, just you tweeting know. back at each other. It was like, Oh yeah. Just oh, shaved yeah. 17 hundredths of a second off. Yeah. Better get back I mean, on the game. Tweeting at each other, DMing each other, you know, some, some pretty unsavory language and uh, being in like the, the discord chatting about it and stuff, you know, like that, that was just, like the height that was like the epitome of, of gaming for me this year. And yeah, like you said, monster hunter with the community is amazing. If anything, I want to do even more of it in 2023. Like if anything, I want to do this on a more consistent basis because like, it's so much fun every single time we get to do it. Um, even Splatoon, even getting to play like Splatoon Splatoon stuff with the community, with the big run and a lot of the battles and, uh, the splat fest and everything already. Yeah. That's oh my God. That's been so much fun. It's amazing. Like I, I think about, you know, we can, we can talk about like the measurable things that have happened with the brand or the podcast or whatever, but like, honestly, like what, what I'm most proud of and, and what like really, you know, charges my battery the most is, is the people is like the people around this thing. You people that, that listen to it, engage with it, talk to each other, you know, become a community around each other. It like, it really is special. And that's the reason that this exists. It's the reason it happens. Your love, your support, your conversation, like you guys give us as much as we give you. I really do feel that way, you know? And, um, man, it's like, it's so special. It's exactly why we do it. 
Yeah. And there's a lot of games that are dying, desperately begging to be revisited. I would love to get back on some Mario Party Superstars. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love to find uh, a couple. I would love to nail down a night where we can jump on Windjammers 2. So, so much that needs to happen. Uh, absolutely more Mario Karts. There's so yeah. many games begging, begging for us to play as a community together. Even even more like dedicated stuff like that with Smash. You know, I, I think that there yeah. is like a real opportunity to do this stuff a lot more often than the new year. That's something I definitely want to look at. I want to make a special... Uh, shout out to the Shy Guy Mod Squad here um, because both of them earlier on this year, it, the the need for moderation became apparent and uh, both of them were just so willing, no hesitation to become mods. And like, I understand that the all in community isn't one that needs to be modded very often. We, you know, 99% of the time, it's just an amazing, wholesome community with no issues whatsoever. But like to have them and, you know, we have our like kind of private mod squad channel and everything. And they have not only become like moderators of the channel or whatever, but like almost creative collaborators, because if there's ever something that um, needs to be done with the discord, I bounce it off of them, you know, and, and you like in, in the mod squad channel, like I bounce it to everybody else. Hey, this is what I'm thinking about. What do you guys think? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should do this instead. I mean, when it comes to the discord community, they deserve a ton of credit for the way it looks and functions right now. So just big, big shout outs to shy guy and, and Matt shy guy city um, for, for not only taking on that sort of role, but for being like real, like creative partners when it comes to forming this community and making it better. So really, really great people, man. Yeah. But we don't want to put too much of a spotlight on them because you know, they're shy guys. (laughs) <laughs> that's fair they are shy guys it's right there in the name <laughs> but yes thank you for uh everything you guys have done and thank you for all of our community members uh this may just sound like a bunch of buzzwords and a bunch of uh lip service but like god we love you guys so much we really do thank you for making this another fantastic year here at all in hearts Less than three heart symbols, heart emoji, (laughs) heart heart emoji, heart emoji. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, shy guys and speaking of games that we played with the community, Seth, we do have one last indie showcase to get to this year before the ball drops later on this evening. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is the final indie showcase of the year, isn't it? What could it be? Well, uh, we are doing something very important next week in regards to spotlighting some of the best of 2022. But when it comes to our picks for Game of the Year 2022, there is one title that has, as of yet, not been properly spotlighted in its own segment. My friend, that will not stand. Our final indie showcase of 2022 is the immaculate neon white. So Seth, you think I might be able to get a few positive things about neon white out of you? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I might have a <laughs> I might have a thing or two to say about neon white. Maybe uh, maybe I can muster a few words about this game. 
<laughs> yeah, like we were just talking about toward the end of our top five, you and Matt, when that game first came out, my Lord, like it was real with you guys. Uh, just DMing back and forth and tweeting at each other back and forth, being up until ungodly hours of the night, just trying to trim off a couple hundredths of a second off of your times in some of these insane challenge rooms i finally got to play through the game a couple months later myself and just seeing like your times and matt's because when you play through the game it shows you your friends times yeah. and just seeing some of your guys times and just being like nope <laughs> nope smart man that, that's probably for the best honestly <laughs> don't drive yourself insane trying to go after those times yeah it's uh I'm I'm really glad that I have you to sort of balance me out with this when we're doing this indie showcase because um, I think you're going to be able to talk about the game a little bit more objectively than I'm going to be able to because I've been head over heels in love with this game for like the past year and a half and um, and the things that speak to me about this game so much are very specific and subjective and I'll talk about some of those things, but I, th I think you'll bring a little bit of balance <laughs> to this conversation. A little bit of levity to yeah. the just all out or all in love fest, frankly. Yeah. Uh, because as you were just telling me a few seconds ago before we started recording, you can just watch the VOD. You can watch yeah. your stream and watch you fall in love in your words. These are your words. Watch you fall in love with the game in real time. Yeah, you can literally, if you go on the YouTube channel and look at the Steam Next Fest demo video, because I had a Steam Next Fest demo, like I said, this is like a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, before the game came out. And I, I played it because I was doing all of those Steam Next Fest demo videos. And I mean, literally, you can, it's, it's fun to watch because you can watch me fall in love with the game, like you said, in real time, just like getting to grips with the way it feels, which, you know, the game, we'll, we'll talk about this, but the game just feels immediately really good. Um, but, yeah. but then like also just picking up on like the voice acting and just the vibes of the game and the music and just like, it was like getting hit with just a wave of, Love. I've never experienced anything quite like Neon White. All right. Well, before we get off onto too many tangents and just start rambling on incessantly, let's start at the beginning. Let's actually tell the people who have not yet experienced this immaculate little indie wonder a little bit about what actually is even Neon White. So Neon White comes to us from Annapurna Interactive, a studio that is very quickly becoming one of the biggest names in indie publishing in the industry. I mean, this was the same studio that brought us Stray. Yeah. Um, but it comes to us from Annapurna Interactive. And oddly enough, Ben Esposito, if you're wondering where you heard that name from, yes, the Donut County guy. Yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate that so many people tie this game to Ben Esposito because he really is just one part of Angel yes, Matrix. Yes, of course, of course. Um, but it is funny, like, because I think that's what a lot of people are like, hang on a second, the Donut County guy, you know, and, and that is true. Like, you're not wrong for thinking that, but it is, you know, there, there's so many other parts to to this game. Yes, it, it, this was not a one-person no. show, yes, but admittedly, that is the, the cognitive dissonance that is created when you look at these two games is, you know, I admittedly still can't get over it a little bit. It's, it's a funny little uh, trivia fact about this game, but uh, ultimately... Uh, it turns out in this game, you don't play as a raccoon trying to swallow up 
you know, different holes. I actually didn't play as a raccoon. You played as like a hole in Donut County. Yeah, you played (laughs) as the literal hole. Where in this game, you play as uh, a character who we basically only ever know as white. He is a neon. And what these neons are is these are sinners brought up from hell to deal with heaven's demon infestation problem, basically. So they float up to the top of this wave pool and they are recruited into heaven. They are allowed a short respite from their eternal torment in heaven to help deal with heaven's demon infestation problem. You start the game, you wind up talking to these bizarre characters called believers who kind of set you on your path and uh, give you everything that you need to go out and start demon hunting. And to make sure that you stay in line, they outfit every one of these neons with a really cool kind of, uh, you know, demonic style mask with an explosive laden inside of it. So very suicide squad style. If you step out of line, Go boom. Yeah. And that's basically the setup for this game is you are a sinner brought up from hell to help deal with, uh, with heavens and uh, demon infestation problem. However, things get very complicated very quickly. Yeah, they do. And you know, it's, (laughs) it's interesting because this game has with, with that story set up, you're talking about heaven and hell and sinners and angels and demons and believers and things, you know, that you right away get a very like sacrilegious, you know, sort of vibe from the game. Um, and it's funny because th- this game operates in a couple of distinct parts. The moment to moment gameplay is a first person puzzle platformer. Really? Um, it's also kind of a shooter, but I don't really consider it a shooter. Um, essentially, you go out on missions, like you said, to take down these demons and, you know, climb up the rankings and this, that, and the other. Um, but you're playing as this this character, White, who has this, like, kind of simple tool set. It's, it's a lot of running and jumping and navigating levels and picking up these soul cards, which are effectively guns but they're used in a variety of different ways and you're making your way through these levels and it becomes clear right away that the actual key to this is getting through these levels as quickly as possible. And that's kind of where the big hook of the game is, but it's only one part of it. Yeah. Objectively, what's going on is you are brought up here to take out demons to help heaven. But functionally, what the game is, is you get put into this long series of effectively challenge rooms Mm -hmm. and you are tasked with uh, a beating the challenge room, but B yeah, like Seth said, trying to do it as efficiently and quickly as possible. You have a relatively small amount of explorable area in each of the stages and everything is very set up. Everything is set up in a very linear fashion what it's essentially intended for you to do. Everybody seems to get hung up on the cards in the game and don't. It's not a card game. uh, This is not a card game. This is not card battle. The cards essentially are just representative of the different guns and abilities that 
each individual room gives you access to. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people get hung up on the fact that they're represented with cards. That means nothing within the course of the game. They are basically just weapon pickups. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, that, that even comes down to, you know, I've watched a lot of like interviews and developer behind the scenes with like Ben Esposito and, um, you know, and really, and really the whole team, Ryan Shannon and stuff. And, and they've talked about, um, how the, the cards specifically are not even the reason they're cards and not just guns is because they shouldn't be looked at as weapons. They're really just pieces of kit, their abilities, their pickups that are just movement resource essentially is what it is. It is an expendable resource for movement and dispatch. <laughs> That's basically what the cards are. <laughs> Because yes, you pick up the the cards and they do work as weapons. You'll pick up a pistol and it works like you expect a pistol to work in a first person shooter. You'll pick up a machine gun. You'll even get to the point where you're picking up like rocket launchers and mm -hmm. those do work as you would expect. However, Seth wasn't wrong about movement capabilities. In addition to having ammunition that can be expended when you pick up these weapons, each weapon type also has... Uh, its own specific additional movement power that it grants you if you do what's called discarding it. If you throw the weapon away, you activate its secondary power, its movement function, and many times that's what you're going to want to use. That's the ability that you're going to want to use when you get these weapons. That's where a lot of the puzzle solving does come into play is you have both the, the shooting ability of each weapon and the discard movement ability of each weapon. How are you supposed to use them? What ability are you supposed to use in any given situation to progress through the stage? And that becomes very interesting and very addictive very quickly. Yeah, because when you complete the stage, you're going to get um, a rank. You're going to get, you know, your bronze, silver, gold, platinum, whatever. There's even like a hidden sort of final beyond the ace level. There's even kind oh, of a final. Uh, why did you say that? Yeah. Why did you tell the people that? Yeah, <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, uh, Dunkey, video game Dunkey did a video about Neon White one time. And he was talking about how stressed out he was getting ace levels i'm like should somebody tell him that there's a rank above ace <laughs> oh no <laughs> am i gonna tell him so you know it's it so anyway but but that makes it very clear to the player early on that oh wait like i just did this quickly but there's a way to do it more quickly and so the game invites you to break it the game invites you to think about its levels differently and what and what is genius about this game is not that yeah. it's just like a really cool, you know, first person puzzle platformer, fast, frenetic and everything. What's genius about this game's level design is that it can be broken in so many different ways is that you do get to learn little tiny things like how if you have the kind of machine gun card when it's discarded it is like a grenade that you throw onto the ground and there's a couple of seconds you can essentially grenade jump off of it well you can actually stack yep. those grenade jumps also you know you you begin to learn these little tiny things you begin to notice little tiny things worked into the level design. Oh, wow, there's a ledge over there that I could reach if I did this instead. Oh, do I actually have to? Do I actually have to go all the way over there and shoot those balloon demons? Or could I just snipe them on my way to this other area? You know, like there, there's some really, really genius things that this game starts to make you realize organically. And I think for that reason, this game will kind of make a speedrunner out of you. 
Like, even if you've yeah. never really, like, thought yourself as somebody who likes to play games like this, this game's level design and, and the way this is all delivered, um, I think just kind of, like, brings that out in you in a way that feels organic. It's, like, low-key genius. Well, it's a very arcadey feeling type of first-person shooter. The character themselves glide. like You just feel like you glide across the ground and your jumps feel very floaty. Even just your basic movement mm -hmm. feels like you have a lot of capability, that you have a lot of ground that you can cover very quickly. This is going to be a weird connection, I know, but it actually reminded me of when I played the original Turok on Switch a while back because the original Turok is very similar. It's a very arcadey style first person shooter where your basic movement, you do have a decent jump. You do basically just glide quickly across the ground and it feels very good to try to get things done as quickly as possible. So if you like a lot of those old arcadey first person shooters, I'm sure you might actually like the, the basic movement here. If you're a fan of a lot of the newer, grittier, kind of heavier uh, sl more sluggish first-person shooters, then this might be a little bit of a, a culture shock for you. But, you know, as I'm always saying, you know, give me all the arcade games in the world. I absolutely love it. But uh, another one of the genius things about what the game does is the game does force you to get better at it. It forces you to get quicker because you need to actually get certain gold medals you need to get good times in a certain number of stages just to be able to progress the main story and you will learn very quickly that when you get those gold times when you get those good times you unlock every new higher medal you get in every stage unlocks something new for that stage and one of the things that you get one of the things that you can get especially at gold level is the game actually shows you a hint of how to break it. It will show you, give you a little bit of an insight into, hey, here's something you can do that doesn't necessarily follow the quote-unquote dev-intended path. You could just do this little thing right here, and then all of a sudden that just opens your mind up like you're seeing the Matrix. Like, oh... I can do that, which means, oh, I can do this here. Oh, I can do this here. Oh, all of a sudden, I just took my 25-second time down to 11 seconds. Yeah. It's it's really, it, it's a little tiny, addicting. little tiny decisions like that, that, yeah, that do make it addicting. And they they say, like, hey, um, you know, one of the, you'll, you'll unlock, like, the ability to see your ghost of, like, your previous run, Right. To be able to see kind of your your mistakes or, or whatever and kind of race yourself, which is brilliant. Then you get the insight, like you said, where you have that little like hand that appears that will show you kind of these other uh, shortcut hints and, and whatever. But you also can only see your friends ranking on the leaderboards after getting a certain rank as well. Um, which by that point you've are they've already got you on the hook. So then you've already yeah. got like another thing that says, Hey, your friends did it a little bit faster. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's all of these things that are just tantalizing you and telling you that, yeah, you did a really good job, but you could do better, you know? And I just think that that is, is really, really brilliant about this game, but it also just like the, at the, at the most like base monkey brain level, the game just feels great. Like 
it just feels really good. You talked about the the movement, the way you're sort of like gliding and the floaty jumps and stuff like that. Like it, if the game didn't feel absolutely pitch perfect and spot on, um, it wouldn't have worked. If the game wasn't as fast and immediate and, and like you're, you're just going through these levels like a hot knife through butter. It wouldn't have worked if it didn't work absolutely, you know, flawlessly. The game is like solid 60 frames on switch. Like, it is fantastic. They they specifically uh, delayed the game. Like they could have released the game earlier, but they wanted to make sure the Switch version was up to par with the PC version. Um, and so it, it runs beautifully on Switch. And you know, obviously, with any game, it will get harder the further in you get. You'll probably be able to get some pretty good times on the earlier chapters, but. Once you've gone through a few dozen levels, yeah, you'll get access to new abilities and new weapons and uh, new powers. But I love the difficulty curve of this game because it's it. Neon White may honestly have the best uh, and most natural difficulty slider I've played in a video game in years. Because like you won't even realize for a while how much harder the stages are getting. It's just you've gotten that good at the game because the game is just that good at imparting its knowledge and it basically all the skills that you need into it. But once you get deep into the game, you'll realize all of these insane things that the game is asking you to do. And then all of a sudden you finally start to realize like, wow, these are some insane levels. And by the time you get to the end, it's probably going to take you a few tries, but those, especially toward the end, I love the final couple chapters in this game. Those are some of my favorite levels that I've played in video games in the past couple years. The last proper level in the game is is one of my favorite that I've played. It took me a lot of tries, and it was very difficult, but it was so incredibly satisfying and so incredibly fun. I love games that when you die, you can chalk it up to you not being good enough. Yeah. And this game absolutely earns the difficulty that it winds up achieving toward the end of the playthrough. Yeah, this is definitely, it's not a card game. It's not even really a shooter. This is more in line with something like a Super Meat Boy than anything else. Like this is yeah. this is more Super Meat Boy than it is Doom or whatever. You know what I mean? So like I think a lot of people have a lot of um, you know, misconceptions when they when they come into the game, not really sure what to think about it. Um and and I, I think that's unfortunate. People look at it, they think it's just a card game, or uh, it's it's that speedrunning game. Like it's about all of those things separately, but it really is one of the best examples I can point to of a game being greater than the sum of its parts. Um and not only is it all of these things that we're talking about, it's also like a persona, not dating sim, but it also has like relationship <laughs> stuff in it. Uh, it has visual novel influences big time. Um, yeah. That's a huge part of the game too. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. The narrative that's going on, you know, you'd be forgiven for thinking that the gameplay is really the only draw of neon white from what we've been talking about just based on the weird setup, but no, throughout the entire game, there are narrative developments and there is an unfolding story between neon white and the characters that you've probably seen already in different media. You have neon red, neon violet, neon yellow, and uh, neon green who are kind of the, the main core cast 
of characters that you're going to be interacting with, in addition to a couple adorable angels. Uh, I mean, cats. I mean, <laughs> I mean, angels. Are we? It's, I, it's I mean, well, cats. That's just what White sees them as, though. You know, exactly. Who yeah. knows? I mean, Yellow sees Mikey as John Cena. So that's right. <laughs> I forgot about dude. The references in this game are amazing. Yeah. Oh my god, they're so good. But uh, yeah, you'll you'll be able to develop the relationships with a lot of these characters, and one of the really interesting ways you're going to do that is yet another way that they. In another way that the level design, the genius of the level design kind of comes through is the very first thing that you unlock by beating every level, just by beating the level, you'll get a bronze medal. And just by doing that, you will unlock a hidden gift, mm -hmm. a hidden collectible somewhere in the level. So just on top of being a speed run, first person puzzle shooter-esque challenge run, then each level becomes kind of a uh, find the hidden object and then an additional layered puzzle on top of that of trying to figure out how to get to that hidden object once you've been able to find it. So each level, essentially, you look at it from a completely different perspective on your second playthrough. Once you find that hidden object, that hidden object will then... Uh, you're able to give that to one of the characters that you can build relationships with and you can deepen your relationship with those characters or you may even unlock a brand new level like actual side quests yep. in this game. Yeah, and they're awesome. They're all like they're they're all awesome. They're all worth doing. Uh they they put a yet another sort of like layer of gameplay onto it. They're all unique. Uh, they give you more backstory into the characters because, like, you know, one one thing that should be said is that, you know, the the, <laughs> the plot structure of Neon White is fairly um, generic, like, just kind of by design. White is, like, the typical amnesiac anime protagonist. You know, you don't know if you can trust your friends or not. You have a past with all of them, and they remember you, but you don't really remember them. So because anime, because anime, and and so it's all it's all just kind of like feeding into itself there, and you're unlocking these relationship levels, doing side quests, and getting to know them a little bit better, and um and that's all great, and that's where you get a lot of like these these silly, you know, the, the writing in this game is so good. Um, the, the performances are so good. You know, the anime influences are felt from the very beginning. Neon White being voiced, of course, by Steve Bloom. Uh, the, the amazing Steve Bloom was so wonderful to hear his voice as, as White at the very beginning of the game. There, there probably is no voice that I associate more with just anime as a concept than Steve Bloom. Because he's basically just doing, you know, Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Like, that's essentially what he's yeah. doing. Um, well, I mean, Steve Bloom has the Guinness World Record yeah. for most voices in video games. Yeah. So he's he's been around the block a few times. So it's a few times. <laughs> Steve Bloom's also great in person. By the way, I met him in a Comic Con. Yeah. I got a few things signed by him. Steve Bloom's also great in person. Just FYI. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, Ian Jones Cordy is in the game uh, as as Neon Yellow. Sung Won Cho uh, Pro ZD is is Mikey, <laughs> and um, that just just a great great voice cast. Great writing that is sold so well. Like you said, there's a ton of little references. There's like references to my chemical romance there's yeah there's references to like 
Naruto, like one of the moments you can and have the with Matrix. And, oh yeah, yeah, they're all over. You know, the yellow's like you're my Sasuke, bro. You know, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. so good. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and it's this game is just, and it sort of feeds into what what I actually love about this game. And like th- this game is not just. Yes, it's all the things that we've just spent a lot of time talking about. Amazing, accessible speedrunning game, feels amazing, brilliant level design, genius, great writing, great characters, great voice acting, great all of it. But it also is just so unabashedly 2002, like, teenage Seth. Like, this is just, that's what spoke to me so much (laughs) about this game, is that I play a lot of video games that harken back to my childhood. You know, I play a lot of video games that make me think of being eight years old at my grandmother's house playing Mario or whatever. But this game, the way I always describe this game, this game is me, 14, you know, like 2002, sleeping on my parents' couch, waking up in the middle of the night on a Saturday night and eating ramen and watching anime on Adult Swim. Like, that's what this game is. You go into that kid's head and you pluck a game out of the dreams he's having, and that's what Neon White is. So, I again, I've played a million games that remind me of being a kid, but Neon White reminded me of what it's like to be a teenager, and it's kind of a period of my life and it's a vibe and it's like an aesthetic and it's a it's an everything that I haven't really appreciated for most of my life or looked back on nostalgically for most of my life until playing this. And like that's what ratchets this up to the next level. This game is just unabashedly loud and it's exactly what it is. It's not afraid to be what it is. It embraces any sort of cringe that comes along with it. Let's embrace it. You know, <laughs> yeah, like it does do that. Like it's all of that stuff. It, it just speaks to this is a game for me as a teenager. And I got to this game kind of taught me to love teenage Seth in a way that I just hadn't before playing it. And um, I just I love that about this game so much. All the other stuff's great, too. But the vibes of Neon White is what really pushes it over the top for me. And I honestly, we haven't really talked about it too much, but the soundtrack of this game oh. matches the vibe of this title perfectly. So good. Like I was, I was actually like bumping, like, you know, <laughs> going back and forth in my chair while playing this, like actually kind of dancing on my couch. Yeah. Like playing, this has the this great, like just thumping, like dance remix every stage. It's such a great fast paced uh again just dance floor video gamified uh soundtrack to play a game like this too yeah machine girls soundtrack for this game is incredible um it's just this like fast and hard like 2000s dmp you know like crazy the way i described it on the nintendo drive was whenever there's an action scene in the powerpuff girls and it has that kind of percussive like you know like that is just turned up to 11 and that's the soundtrack of neon white. Like that's exactly what it is. Um, it feels like it's straight out of, you know, all of this like anime and, and, and stuff of this era. It's perfect. And it, it's funny because, uh, when my, when our Spotify wrapped came down, there was one, most of it was my wife. My wife's the main one that listens to Spotify, 
but the one sort of Seth entry in our Spotify wrapped was volume one of the Neon White OST on Spotify. <laughs> so this has been something that has stuck with me throughout the entirety of the year. Uh, both volumes are on Spotify and they're fantastic. Uh, I love it so much. And it turns out that I haven't been adding too much levity to the proceedings here, but I will say that I can see that if you are actively against speedrunning, if you prefer slower, more methodical, uh, more laid-back games, this might not be your thing. I can see if you prefer more realistic, less over-the-top games, this might not be your thing. And while the hidden item second playthrough does add a little bit of variety... Ultimately, you are doing the same kind of thing the entire time. There isn't a ton of gameplay variety. So even as much as I love the game, it wasn't something to where I could just, you know, even though I say it's addicting, it wasn't something that I just felt I could play for hours and hours on end. It was always something I was very excited to come back to. But this wasn't a game that I just, I, I couldn't stop playing Unlike a few people, <laughs> I was going to say I had I had a very opposite reaction, and I and I really yeah. loved going back through uh, the stages for the presence. My my only like too. my only real complaint with the game is like and and um I agree with you. I do really like the final levels. Um, it, in, yeah. in the back half of the game, though, the levels do get so much longer and so much more involved that. If you're if you're trying to, and it, it's funny if you, if you look at like uh, a lot of people when the, when they're playing this game casually, um, you know the first like kind of half of the game is where it's a lot more palatable to get into like speed running and like figuring out your your times and stuff like that. When you get into the back half of the game. <laughs> it's like okay, we just need yeah, to get the, through this. The leaderboards are considerably shorter in, yeah. the, in the last few chapters. Yeah, I could I I could tell that when I got to like chapter seven or eight or something, and I actually beat one of Matt's times. Yeah, I was like, oh no, oh snap, son. <laughs> yeah, it's like at that point, you know, it, it, you kind of dwindle off a little bit, and you're kind of like, all right, you know, because some of them are just like. To, to really learn them requires more time than maybe people are willing to give. So I, I do think that the first half of the game in that way is stronger than the second half. So, you know, I will say that there, there also is a sort of quote unquote true ending that you can only yes. get if you get all the gifts and if you do all the side quests and stuff. So I do recommend people do that because the true ending of the game to me is like way better than the, the standard ending. So, um, that, that I think is also a little bit unfortunate, but I mean, like these are just very ultimately for me anyway, minor complaints in what was just a sublime game overall. Yeah. And they do work a couple pretty rad boss battles yeah. into the mix as well. Not easy, definitely not easy, but, uh, some, some pretty rad boss battles, uh, into the proceedings as well. Just, oh man, it's just so good on so many levels. Well done, everybody at Annapurna. Um, well done, Ben Esposito, for making a very different kind of black hole for us to get sunk into this time around. Sorry, I had to do it. But <laughs> let us know if you've been playing Neon White. We definitely know a few of you have. <laughs> let us know if you've been playing Neon White. Reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, let us know all of your favorite moments uh, with Annapurna's latest Switch masterpiece. Let us know if you're going to pick it up. But 
And, you know, this was a little bit of spoiler for next week's Golden Aces. This is, of course, one of our nominees for Game of the Year at the proceedings to be streamed live January 4th on YouTube.com slash mm-hmm. All In Podcast. Something we are incredibly excited for. Definitely tune in to see if Neon White wins Game of the Year. But the Golden Aces, Seth, are just one of many things, many things that we are so stoked for on the other side of the ball dropping here later on this evening. And you know what? We have spent some time in this episode looking back, but now it's time for us to look forward to all of the amazing things we have to be excited about come 2023. So yes, as 2022 is coming to a close, we've got a lot to look forward to in 2023. A lot of amazing uh, Nintendo games. We actually did this on SideQuest, kinda. We did, yeah. Uh, this, this past week for Nintendo stuff, so I definitely want to point folks over to Patreon to check that out. Golden Banana and Triforce tier uh, supporters get access to SideQuest, where we talked about this for Nintendo stuff. But here on the main show... Nintendo has got a lot of stuff for us to look forward to in 2023, as it turns out. (laughs) Bro. Oh, my Lord. Just all the games that we have to look for, just that we know of at this exact moment in time, all the games that have been confirmed for a 2023 release basically already make for a full schedule for us. Yeah. Very quickly, we're going to talk about them individually, but very quickly, just in winter. Just in the first three months of this year, we're getting uh, Colossal Cave, Persona 4, Persona 3, Fire Emblem Engage. We are getting uh, Theater Rhythm, Tales of Symphonia Remastered. We are getting Digimon World Next Order. We are getting Blood Bowl 3. We are getting Atelier Risa 3. We're getting Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, Octopath Traveler. We are getting... Uh, Fatal Frame, Oni, Road of the Mightiest Oni, Legend of Heroes, Trails of Azur, Bayonetta Origins, and uh, Have a Nice Death, Storyteller. Like, that's just in the first three. All those RPGs, all those JRPGs just in the first three months. What I just rattled off alone was probably about 400 hours, probably more. That's probably a very lowball estimate. But yeah. Yeah, there's Seth, a lot. I'm I'm frightened. <laughs> there's a lot. And and this is just what we know about. You know, there are a lot of unknown sort of quantities and, and games obviously coming out like later in the year um that, that we know about. And, you know, there's just yeah, man, it's gonna be a, a stacked year yet again. Um, you know, I think the biggest Nintendo Switch game that we're currently aware of has to be Zelda, right? Of course. Uh, yeah, which Tears is of the currently slated for May. Yeah, May 12th. We honestly have no reason to believe it's going to be delayed. It was recently rated by the ESRB, which implies that mm-hmm. the game is... I, I think they're probably going to hit that date, that, that May 12th date. I don't really anticipate a delay for Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and that's probably, for many people anyway their most anticipated Nintendo Switch game, certainly going to be one of the biggest Switch games of the year. Um, Absolutely. I mean, the the follow-up to, <laughs> you know, one of the most well-regarded games of all time uh, yeah. is going to be won pretty crazy. Won the Game crazy. Award in 2017 for Game of the Year. <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom actually won the Game Award for Most Anticipated Game yeah. of 2023. There are a lot of eyes on Nintendo's next 
uh, trip to Hyrule, ours included. I mean, it's not a hot take to say that Breath of the Wild was a very good game. Pretty decent game. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, pretty decent (laughs) follow-up. And given that Tears of the Kingdom is like, we don't know, like there's a lot we still don't know, but everything we've seen about the game leads us to believe it's a fairly direct follow-up, at least in gameplay, to Breath of the Wild, which alone has a lot of people very excited. We've already seen a lot of new aspects, not including Link's hair, but uh, <laughs> even if it, even if that is Link, you know, but we, we could sit here and speculate all day about that. But just seeing a follow-up to one of the most well-regarded games of all time and to think that it may potentially be even bigger and better. Have, oh, I'm sorry, I'm drooling. I apologize. I'm <laughs> drooling, on, drooling on my microphone a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, obviously I'm excited for that. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's Zelda. It's my favorite franchise. I can't wait. It's one of those things where like, I actually, I think because we haven't seen that much of it, my excitement is like not at a fever pitch just yet. Like I, but what I, what I completely anticipate sometime in the new year, we're going to get a dedicated, you know, tears of the kingdom direct, where they really just kind of blow the doors off and, and let us know what's going on because they've been a little guarded about this game so far. You know, we've gotten a couple trailers, but we haven't we seen have. a lot about the game or anything. You know, this is juxtaposed to uh, to Breath of the Wild where, you know, when that E3 2016 or whatever it was, people were just playing it for like an hour, you know, with no real restrictions. So... I think there's a lot to to still be shown from Tears of the Kingdom. I don't think we've seen uh, even a fraction of what there is to see here. Oh, I'm sure. But one of the big things I think about, especially marketing video games in general, is especially in recent years, we have seen some pretty notable examples of games that I would argue were over-marketed. Mm-hmm, and for sure actually probably lost a little bit of hype due to how much the studios were trying to cram them down our throats there's actually a couple of games coming out in 2023 i have lost interest in because of how many times i've had to sit through the trailers the first one that immediately comes to mind for me is a game called thirsty suitors oh um, yeah 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 just because of having to watch that exact same trailer what feels like a dozen times over the past year at different presentations like the Wholesome Games Direct and Day of the Deaths and stuff like that. The first couple times I saw it, I thought it looked really cool. And now I'm already at the point where like, I don't care. So marketing games is a very tricky business. Yes, you want to build up hype. uh, But more and more, I think we've seen that the, the drip feed method is a very effective method to 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 marketing especially triple a games like this so it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me if they did like you said drop a full direct but it also wouldn't surprise me if they kind of remained a little guarded even leading up to the game's release you know just enough to whet people's appetite and to keep me drooling on the microphone but maybe not necessarily a blowout like i said i don't know if that'll happen it just wouldn't surprise me if it did they they have less to prove now 
You know, there, there's like when Breath of the Wild came out, they kind of had a lot to prove. It had been a long yeah. time and stuff like that. But they're in an interesting position because this isn't just like a, you know, like a quick and dirty Majora's Mask sort of situation. This is, you know, just as, by the time the game comes out, the development cycle will have been just as long, if not longer, than it was between Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild. So five years. Yeah. So, so I mean, like it can't just be a like hey For six years my god yeah six it'll be years. it'll be over Holy six years yeah lord oh my god where's the time yeah man so you know th- they at once don't have as much to prove and then they also kind of have a lot to prove because it's like all right like let's see where all this time went you know what i mean so uh so obviously very excited for that you you brought up a uh, an indie game and i think that this year was already an incredible year for indie games but like, absolutely. I just already think of like some of the amazing indie games that are on the slate for next year, and I'm like, I genuinely think this coming year could be somehow even better than this year was for indie games. Just, I'm just looking at a list here of games <laughs> that are confirmed for Nintendo Switch in the indie space. Games like Bat Boy. Uh, Berserk Boy, Cocoon, Bomb Rush, Cyberfunk. Oh man, I've had Berserk Boy on my my yeah. Uh, for so long, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, like we we that game that we saw a couple games we saw at the House of Indies, like Dust and Neon. I, I'm seeing here on on the uh, on the list. I mean, like there's there's a ton of stuff. Freedom Planet Two is coming out yep. at some point in 2023. We assume Silk Song is going to come out at some point in 2023. <laughs> we think so. We <laughs> we think so. But there's a couple that, like in my mind. I'm already almost ready to give them golden aces for like I cannot wait to play WrestleQuest. Yes, and, for sure. And bro, Plucky Squire may wind up becoming one of my favorite indie games of all time. If it's as good as it looks, yeah, that's that's definitely up there. Uh, I'm looking forward to Simogo's new game, Lorelei and the Laser Eyes. Yep, I can't wait to hear more about that. I, I mean, Pepper Grinder, which we saw. Pepper you know, was awesome. Now confirmed with the Devolver Digital. Oh my gosh. Like there, there's some truly, truly amazing games coming out next year that, that I'm just like, good grief. Hopefully man. Sea of Stars. <laughs> yeah. Sea of Stars, I think, is probably coming <laughs> next year. Uh, you know, we we don't know exactly. I think they're they're kind of saying like tentatively late 2023 for Mina the Hollower. I don't think we have like an exact date or an exact time frame, but I think Mina the Hollower is probably going to come out next year. Um, the new Yacht Club Games game, of course, which I'm very excited about. Um, yep. Man, it's just going to be an incredible year of even a fraction of... And this is, again, this is just the stuff we know about. Like, this is just stuff that we're aware of. There's so much more to be announced throughout the course of the year. Um I mean, you mentioned Storyteller earlier. I feel like I've been waiting on that game for forever. Um, yep. I mean, my gosh. Like, there, there's just so much coming, man. It's going to be overwhelming. Blanc comes out on Valentine's Day. Yes, it uh, does. Whew. Good grief. Gunbrella is another one that I yep. really cannot wait for. Another Devolver Digital game that looks so good. Just so good. Just if- so Dude, period. Good. And and I, I mentioned it earlier, but if Bomb Rush Cyberfunk is half as good as it looks, like that's going to be one of my favorite games of the year. 
Like, yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, if, for, for those who don't know, for those two of you out there who don't know, Seth is a little bit of a fan of Jet Set Radio, of which Bomber Cyberfunk is taking, I would argue, fairly clear inspiration from. Yes. Jet Set Radio Future specifically, JSRF is like my, I think it's my second favorite game of all time if I had to list them. Um, wonderful, wonderful game. And this game looks so specific like it just looks perfect and um they they were supposed to come out this year they delayed it into next year and um again if it's even like half as good as it looks it is going to be a very very special game indeed so i can't wait for that um even like you know it's funny because nintendo's got a major first party release coming out in just a few weeks at this point with a new fire emblem game fire emblem engage fire and yeah a new fire emblem engage and yes we have been uh fairly woefully uh derelict in our fire emblem coverage here historically on yeah uh, all in however i might do it i might finally make fire emblem engage the first fire emblem game that uh, that i really sit down okay and uh, and give some time to nice I, it's a it's a deserving franchise and we call ourselves all in for a reason so yeah it, it is funny because like for from my perspective like i like fire emblem i got into the series with awakening like a lot of people did and yep. i i like it i played the ones on 3ds enjoyed them and then, like, when we got into the Switch era, like, Three Houses came out, and I got it. It remains wrapped on my shelf. Like, I I don't, you know, I, I just, I literally haven't even put it in. It's like, cool, there's, you know, 120 hours you can expect to dig into. So it's been a little intimidating for me. I might try to get to it. It's so, I don't have anything against it. I'm just not, like, some huge raving Fire Emblem fan. I would almost rather either if you're going to play it and, and like when it comes to all end coverage, my perspective on it is if you're going to play it and come into it with like the sort of newcomers perspective, great. At the same time, I'm like, I know Liam, Liam Davenport is going to be playing Mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, I would be happy to have him on to talk about it. I'd be happy to have Sam on to talk about it. You know, like I, I know a lot of fire emblem people in the community. So like there will be fire emblem engage coverage. I'm sure. It just, I don't know. We'll see what form that takes. Well, one of the things I am really interested in, uh, in about when it comes to Fire Emblem Engage is because I think, you know, if I sat down and thought about it, I would think objectively one of the things that's pushing me toward that direction is the fact that I've been kind of jonesing for a Nintendo first-party tactics-based RPG True. experience like this, and one was taken from us in 2022 for a very understandable reason. For a very understandable reason. However, we never actually got uh, Advance Wars One Plus Two Reboot Camp in 2022, and I've been I've kind of had this hankering for that those, that tactics based RPG feel, and I think that might be pushing me in the direction a little bit for Fire Emblem Engage, and I wonder if that might be pushing other people in the direction of Fire mm. Emblem Engage is if Nintendo's not going to release it, I'll go ahead and get my fix here instead. Because as of yet, as of the recording of this uh, episode, we still have zero idea what Nintendo plans to do with this finished game. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I um, Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out. 
Uh, again, even if it's not something that I'm like day one on myself, you know, I'm kind of yeah. in, a, in a similar space with uh, with Octopath Traveler 2. Um, actually, kind of the exact same space. Like, I own Octopath Traveler. And again, it's on the backlog. I haven't played it. I, Bro. It's still oh, it's still there. Like, I haven't played it. So, I, you know, it's one of those things where like, I, I want to play it, you know. But I, I also kind of feel like Square Enix, there have been so many Square Enix games that like I'm not I'm not kind of hankering for an RPG. So the fact that we're getting another massive one like in in February with Octopath Traveler 2, there's a part of me that's like, but hang on, didn't the first one just come out? Oh wait, no. It didn't just come out. Time is just a a flat circle and it's a wibbly wobbly thing that you've lost all control oh, yeah. of and you still haven't played it. <laughs> It's fine. Uh, Square Enix is going to announce like three more Voice of Cards games next week, so I'm sure we'll they have are. plenty of we'll have plenty of JRPGs to play throughout the course of the year. I mean, honestly, even with all the ones that I rattled off there at the beginning, just in winter, again, we've got the Persona Four and Persona Three dropping. We've got Octopath. We've got Fire Emblem Engage. We've got uh, like just so 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 much, and I genuinely want to play. A, a pretty good majority of it. I really, really want to play. Uh, I, I really want to finally give some time to one of the Legend of Heroes titles from NIS America. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. I know, I know. You're but in for the long haul with that, dude. That's <laughs> You're on your own there, my friend. Peace and love. You're on your own there. <laughs> I really like NIS America. I do. Grim Grimoire is another one that's coming. The new Grim Grimoire remaster. Uh, it's coming up, I believe, in April. I actually want to check that out. Uh, Atelier Riza 3 is coming out in fe- uh, February 24th. I kind of want to check that out. I still remember playing the Atelier Iris games on the PlayStation 2 from NIS America. So I actually can't. Just with all these JRPGs, I'm just like, I actually can't. There's too much. There's too <laughs> There's much, you guys. too much. Like, come actually off it a little bit. Just, just release them a little bit. Even like, um, I'm seeing here Disgaea 7 apparently comes out. I'm like, guys, like it's too much. Of course it does. This guy eight comes out later on in the year as well. I'm sure it's too much. No, no, nobody can play all of this. It's impossible, you know? So, so for me, I look at this and the first, like, um, I guess triple a purchase that I'm probably making in the new year's theater rhythm, um, theater rhythm, final bar line, uh, which is also one of my most anticipated games of the year, uh, for sure. I'm a massive theater rhythm fan. Uh, I cannot wait for for this game. This definitely in in that in that direct that definitely got the biggest reaction out of me. Uh, Is so, the game going to feature Mitsuda music, Seth? I'm sure. I'm sure. I know it's going to well, have Chrono go. Trigger. There in you it. go. Yeah, <laughs> I know Chrono Trigger music's in there for sure. They're going to squeeze so much money out of me with that game. It's going to be yep. really bad. Um, yep. So yeah, I'm very very excited for that. That comes out. Uh, February 16th, and then just like, what, a week after that? Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe? Yeah, man, I am so stoked for Return to Dreamland Deluxe. I, man, when Return to Dreamland came out on the Nintendo Wii, that is, you know, right below the Mario Galaxy games, I really think that Return to Dreamland is like my number three, right below the Mario Galaxy games. I had 
adored Return to Dreamland. I don't know how it's going to hold up. I know that they have enhanced the game. It's got this really interesting cell shaded filter over everything now. And of course, they're adding in the big new mech ability, which I am interested to see how that works. But, you know, outside of that and a few new mini games, I I am a little afraid the game's not going to hold up as some of the newer uh, entries in the series, especially now that we have gone full 3D with Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I am afraid that it's going to be an instance of, oh, maybe I shouldn't have actually, you know, yeah. maybe I should have, maybe I should have left the memories alone. Left it better. Yeah. Well enough alone. Yeah. I, I'm excited to, to play this one. I think it is really interesting that they're, that this is the one that they're remaking because I do wonder if it's going to feel like a bit of a step backwards after we just got Forgotten Land. Um, this is kind of, you know, Return to Dreamland was sort of the game that sort of, I don't know if reboot, like a soft reboot, I guess, of the Kirby franchise and kind of set us on this path that would carry forward with Triple Deluxe and Robobot and stuff like that. Um, So I do wonder if this is going to come out and feel like a little bit of a step backwards. I I don't know. I'm excited to play it, but I I am going to be curious to see how that holds up in 2023. Now, my biggest problem with the fact that it's not online, it blows my mind that game is coming out without online multiplayer in the year of our Lord. I'm sorry, the year of our RCS 2023. It's unfortunate. It blows my mind that that game is coming out on a system where we have full four-player online co-op Mario 3D World. I cannot believe that's coming out without four-player online. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're already talking about, you know, between, between Fire Emblem, between Octopath, which I think, I do believe that Octopath Traveler is coming to PlayStation as well this time. So Octopath yes. Traveler, not, not a like exclusive title anymore, like the, like the first game was, but like between that theater rhythm, um, Kirby, you know, and then we come into March and we get Bayonetta Origins, which was a big surprise, uh, at the yeah. Game Awards, that's coming out March 17th, which is like, it, not only was it crazy that it was a thing that was announced, but that it's coming out so soon. Um, you know, this is a lot of like pretty high profile Nintendo content just in the first three months of the year. And I'm really excited for Bayonetta Origins. That's what I'm saying. I am too. You and I both played that secret chapter in Bayonetta 3 that we teased a little bit during our review of the game a little while ago. And it's definitely a very different take on the series. It definitely doesn't feel like most people knowing how Bayonetta feels like. It is a much more deliberate kind of, you know, kind of like Kirby's Dreamland Deluxe, kind of cell shaded esque filter, very colorful, very dungeon crawler. That uh, this is not the Bayonetta we've come to expect, but still kind of interesting and i'm really intrigued by the presentation in the storybook uh world that it's going to let us explore really thought this was going to wind up being dlc for bayo 3 but here they are releasing it at full retail price full price i am yeah full price retail i am hoping that it earns that price me too it's like hey like let's see it like you're coming out you're making this a big thing full retail game let's see it man like i I, I have high hopes, um, but 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 we'll see. Like I, I want it to be good enough to carry an entire adventure, and I hope it's not just like something that you know should have been a little twenty dollar download, and uh, and actually they just blew it up into something it's not. 
we'll see. Yeah. Um, another one of the kind of most anticipated games for me is on April 14th, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. Yes. Yes, Seth, I'm going to say it one more time just because I love hearing the words out loud and because I frankly think it needs to be repeated. Yeah. Complete on cart. Yep, complete on cart. This is huge for me. I've never played these games. This will be my first time playing these games. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. I'm excited, dude. I'm I'm really... I played the ZX games. I even dabbled a little. I played the Zero games. I played the ZX games. I even dabbled a little bit in... A little bit in the Star Force, but I never properly got into Mega Man Battle Network. They, you know, the Mega Man Battle Network series kind of started to go the route of Pokemon, where they started to release multiple versions mm-hmm. for the different installments. And I, I just, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know what to expect. And at the time, I still had plenty of other Game Boy Advance games that I was playing, so I just never pulled the trigger on battle network, unfortunately, but yeah. you know, here we are. This is we're we're in a golden age of collections and re-releases. And this is one of the collections that I am most excited for come 2023, 10 titles, one collection, all the money, just oh. have all of it. Capcom. It's going to be beautiful. Genuinely. One of my, cause, cause to me, it's like, this is a corner of mega man, which is a franchise that I love that that it's a huge you know blank spot in my in my mm-hmm. gaming history like i just i can't wait to finally it, these are going to be completely brand new to me and it's just going to be so nice to be able to um to experience that for the first time um can't wait and then you know it's one of those things too where this is kind of like the stuff we know about but you know it, we're probably going to get a february direct you know, if, yep. if if Nintendo operates the way they always have, and who knows, maybe they, they switch it up, who knows. But, like, we're probably going to get a February Direct, and a lot of things are, you know, are, are going to get dumped on us during that, I'm sure. I was kind of curious, and we're in dangerous territory here. We talked about earlier in the show about bingo cards and things being uprooted, but maybe... Do you think maybe throw a couple predictions out there? Just tre- trepidatious predictions of things you think might happen this year? Oh, you're going to check off's gun me here, aren't you? Yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens, man. All right. Well, I mean, look at the franchises that have been dormant the longest. We're definitely not getting a new WarioWare installment. We're definitely not getting, uh, you know, a new Metroid installment this year. There's quite a few games that we didn't think we would really ever see again that we've actually wound up getting over the past couple years on the Nintendo Switch. So, in that spirit, and since we're just having a little fun right now and making a few predictions, you know what? You know what? Forget it. F-Zero. Let's just do it. Let me put my clown makeup on. Let me just put (laughs) it on right now. F-Zero is coming in 2023. You heard it here first. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of calling these out because th- this is going to be the episode we can go back to if these things happen, you know, like we can just say like, Hey guys, look, you heard it here first. You know, I don't think it would be so ridiculous if we got another WarioWare in 2023. Um, you know, that first, uh, get it together anyway, came out in September, 2021. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't think it would be the craziest thing in the world if we saw another one. Two years seems like plenty of time to develop it. The game sold fine um, for it being a WarioWare game. I, I don't know how Nintendo feels about it, um, but the internally anyway, but like they, you know, that game sold like a million and a half copies. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't sell nothing. Uh, it's, it's one of the better selling WarioWare games. So I, I wouldn't be like completely shocked to see a new WarioWare title. I also, I kind of, I, I try to keep the faith alive with Rhythm Heaven in that same vein. Um, I, I sort of feel like it's time for a new Rhythm Heaven on Switch. I don't think that it's going to be like brand brand new i think it's essentially going to be you know what i really think is going to happen this year is we have those closures coming in march and yeah of the wii u and 3ds shops exactly so i do think that what we're going to see is i think we're going to see a lot of announcements tied into that like one of the games we're losing is rhythm heaven mega mix so i do think that in light of that it's time to have a rhythm heaven game on switch that can sort of check that box for the Switch audience. Um, and piggybacking off of that idea, my big prediction for 2020, I have a couple of big ones, but but probably my biggest one is I do think that this year, Kid Icarus Uprising, Nintendo Switch, let's go. It's happening. That'd be big. It's happening. That'd be big. Well, in the spirit of trying to transplant 3DS classics to the Nintendo Switch to keep them from being lost to the abyss of infinite space. Even if this is just to manifest it. Pushmo 2023. <laughs> Again, wouldn't shock me because we're, we're starting to see. And I, I also predict that as we get closer to the end of March, I think you're going to start seeing more and more like trademarks pop up. We got that pocket card jockey trademark that popped up like a month ago or we something. Did, yep. And I think you're going to start seeing like a little bit more of that. I think people are kind of thinking about how do we keep these franchises and these games sort of like moving forward into the switch era. I think we're going to start seeing a little bit of that and I would love it. I, I know nobody would love it more than you. If, if Pushmo made its way to the switch, I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. It shouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. But you know, I've, I've gone on enough about, Pushmo in recent content that we've done. You can definitely go back and check out our uh, Keep Nintendo Weird episode that we recently did on the subject where I vented about that exact thing for a good 40 minutes straight. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that I do hope comes to the Nintendo Switch. I do hope that we get a like a full proper E3 style presentation this year. Again, we love the Partner Direct. It was great. But there, there's just something about Nintendo Directs at E3 that feel like they come in at the last minute to save the day. And they basically set up the entire back half of the year for Nintendo in grand fashion. We didn't really get that this year. And, you know, minus a couple big releases like you know, Pokemon and Sonic and Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope and Bayonetta 3 it did feel like there was something missing from the back half of 2022 here in the world of the big end. So hopefully we'll have that going into the back half of 2023. But again, 
like there's still so so much there's a ton of like we talked about indie games for a while and there's still some really good looking indie games out there that we haven't even spoken of yet i'm personally super stoked for uh aggro crabs new one another crabs treasure oh yeah it's gonna be fantastic that looks like it's gonna be so good yeah and then we have Another game that kind of looks like it's going to inherit the Death's Door and Tunic Throne, that game Cocoon that was showed off. Yeah, yeah, I kind of briefly mentioned it, but yeah, Cocoon's coming at some point next year, and it does kind of look like it's in that same vein, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, like, there's so, so much that we can look forward to. Uh, I cannot wait for Breath of the Wild 2, Tears of the Kingdom. I cannot wait for Kirby. Uh, I cannot wait to see what the rest of this year is going to hold. I want to try to do some stuff. I want to try in 2023 to to go back and maybe try to right a few wrongs from my history. We'll see what that entails. But your boy Eric has not played every game in existence. I've played most of them, but I have not played every game in existence. And in addition to everything else, I am going to make it a mission of mine to fill a couple notable holes. Put a few, in my back put a catalog. few stamps on, on that gamer card. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I definitely want to want to clear off some of my backlog, especially as the first couple of months of the year are a little bit, um, lighter for me you know until we get to like kind of mid-february i've got some time to kind of work through the backlog a little bit i'm actually as we wrap up here i'm going to give out one big well there's a couple things i want to make sure we mention and i'm going to use this opportunity to do it so uh the mario movie obviously is huge right yep um we're going to have a lot of coverage i'm sure about the mario movie um Because like we're both so excited. We've been waiting our entire lives for this movie, right? Um, we're sitting here with our was, Happy Meal toys. I was born only for this moment. <laughs> exactly. So couldn't be more excited about this. Going to be a lot of coverage about it for sure. Um, but my big prediction for 2023, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to put myself out here and I, I'm going to keep my clown makeup next to me. But I'm, my big prediction is we get a new Mario game. In 2023, it's going to be announced during the February Direct for a late April, early to mid, probably not probably not in May. I'm thinking it's going to be timed around the movie, like mid to late April, 2D, a 2D Mario game that is going to be stylistically similar to what we see in the movie, like a cross-promotional Mario game to release with the movie announced in February for release in April. I'm making that prediction okay. now. Here, let me let me get that nose for you. Right <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That's my prediction. February direct. Look for it. Uh, well, if I'm gonna if if you're gonna go out on a limb with something like that, there was one thing that I was thinking about. Okay. for 2023, it. and it's not about new games. However, the very important resurgence of a certain legendary studios back catalog mm. after, after the inclusion of Banjo Kazooie mm. and Goldeneye both mm-hmm. on the Nintendo 64 NSO app. I'm predicting a full rare takeover of the N64 NSO. Maybe not necessarily their entire catalog, 
but I'm going to throw it out there and say we are going to see quite a few rare games announced to be returning to Nintendo platforms here in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you on that because after we have this slate of like GoldenEye and the Pokemon Stadium, like that that's that's the last like big kind of stuff. I would love to see weirder exactly. stuff. But like those are the last like real big, the Diddy Kong Racings and the Perfect Darks and you know things like exactly. that. So yeah. And give me Blast Core, man. Yes. Give me Blast Core. I love Blast Core. Nah. Yeah, there's there's a ton of great stuff. It's it's fun to get these predictions out, guys. Like it's we're just having fun here. Don't 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 come at us, all right? If these things don't wind up being true, but that's but they're it, absolutely going to be true. But they're absolutely so, true, also, and you know. But just 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 let us completely off the hook. Let us say these ridiculous statements with no repercussions, all right? Let's just let us get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Bowser's got a cease and desist ready already. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the, the ninjas are waiting outside of our uh, our offices now. <laughs> you signed NDAs, darn it! Uh. <laughs> but I I'm very very. I mean, we've we've talked about so many. I mean, just the amount of games, media, you know, movies, and you know, Super Nintendo World opens up in February in Hollywood. I mean, there is so much just that we know about. We can speculate, yep. make predictions, but there's so much to look forward to just that we know about from Nintendo. It, it is like, it continues to be an amazing time to be a Nintendo fan, and it continues to be such a joy to make Nintendo content for you folks. Yeah, and I cannot wait to see how crazy some of the news stories are going to get in the following year. At the very least, I'm thankful that our ability to make a ridiculously long Nintendo podcast each and every week for all of you <laughs> amazing people is not remotely in jeopardy in the foreseeable future. Get ready for a lot more video game conversation here with your favorite all-in co-host Seth and Eric. But... We would love to know what your predictions are, what games you are most excited for, and to hear how hype, how hype you are for the Super Mario Brothers movie coming in April. Let's all get together. Let's all go see it on the big screen. Movie night on Eric. Let's do that. Oh, okay. Let us, all right. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's all fly I'm, down to Florida. Eric's paying. If we can, I'm down. <laughs> if we can if we can look it up, I'm down, honestly. <laughs> But let us know all the stuff that you're most excited for come the new year. Jump into our Discord. Let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook at All In Podcast, on Twitter at All In Podcast. Make sure to follow us on YouTube, where, of course, every Friday night we do live news broadcasts. Next week will be a notable exception for the Golden Aces. But typically on Friday nights, we like to do news breakdowns, Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. So in addition to everything else we've got going on, the Discord, the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube, we also have something we think you guys should check out, and that is Patreon. Patreon. Patreon.com slash All In Podcast is where you want to be. Three tiers of incredible support. A lot of folks who uh, who throw a couple of bones our way. We really, really appreciate you all. And uh, if you want to join their ranks, head on over there and check it out and see which tier works for you. But if you don't have any bones to throw away, we do understand. There is a free way, as it turns out. You can support the show, and that's by dropping some words on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and Audible. You can leave us five-star written reviews that we will shout out here on the show and you can leave us a five-star rating on spotify again very easy and very free way to get this little independent nintendo podcast in front of the people who need to hear it 
Yes, yes, yes. Thank you guys for supporting us throughout 2022. Here it is, the very end of another wonderful year. Onward and upward. So many amazing things planned for next year, just in the next week Mm -hmm. of next year. We have some really big stuff planned that we cannot wait to share with you all. It's going to be another banner year, we promise, for All In, a Nintendo podcast. And most of that comes down to all of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. However, you have supported us, uh, not just this year, but throughout the length of our show, whether or not you have dropped words, whether or not you have become patrons, or whether or not you have just shared our content around the internet to get it in front of people. Thank you all so much. And namaste. Namaste. The, the the year may be over, Eric, but as we look into 2023, we've got a lot of work to do and we've got an even better year ahead. Uh, we, we are do. kicking off 2023 with the Golden Aces, of course, happening on January 4th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube.com slash all in podcast. You guys don't want to miss it. I <laughs> We should probably pick the winners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we will probably do that at some point. I guess we'll figure that out. Um, <laughs> I guess, yeah. We'll and uh, who cares, right? But no, <laughs> it's going to be an amazing show. Uh, yep. We're we're going to give out a ton of awards. We're going to hear from the community, uh, let the community's voice be heard, and we're going to have a very special announcement at the very end of the stream that you're not going to want to miss. And um, yeah, there's just I, I'm I'm looking forward to kicking off 2023 the right way with the Golden Aces, man. I am too. But guys, it, it doesn't ever stop for us. It may be a new year, but it is going to be the same insane work schedule for your boys, Seth and Eric here at all. And we've got a lot of preparation for the big day come Wednesday and for the year to come. So until then, I have been Kirby's return to Eric Deluxe. And I have been Seth Rush Cyberfunk. We hope all of you out there have an amazing, happy, and safe new year. We'll see you back here next week for the Golden Aces. One last time, Wednesday, January 4th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash all in podcast. We love you very much. Bye. Happy 2023, everybody. Bye.